at 6.160 megahertz. This is WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, America. Another foreign night broadcast from shortwave and internet. Yeah. You're on the planet. And now, Johnny Lightning. Foreign not just another opinionated asshole. Or is he? Yes. There are some people who talk Brooklynese. I don't want to mention any names. Brooklyn's John B. Lightning. Now I will make you bark like the dog you are. Ow, my my ear is itching. Under these headphones, my ear is itching. Johnny, we don't give a fuck. All we want to know is, are you itching to do a radio show? Mm, yes. Hey, that's that's Zach Nugent and his band. Hey, even when I don't play the dreadful great at the top of the show, I'm kind of playing the dreadful great. Take it, Zach. And again, thanks to Aaron McKay for cartooning up the equipment and serving as a triple-A grade lead-in to this here show that you know is the little bit of everything. Radio Extravaganza! And yes, this show, this show is, is a mess, all right? This show is closed caption for the thinking in bad. Which hopefully doesn't mean you, pal. Yes, I am John V. Lightning, strange visitor from another planet, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, born and raised, obviously, as look where I ended up. Here on your radio with the show you know you're. Do a little bit of everything, Radio Extravaganza, and my thanks go out to everybody at the Q, WBCQ, serving the world. But 120 proof through the night that our democracy is still here. Radio! Radio for thinking people. But what they're thinking you likely don't want to know. Especially those pony girl fantasies. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Mondays with Mistress Angina often follow show Sundays. I've been a bad boy, Mistress. Oh, please spank me. Harder, harder, harder! Want proof that I've been a bad boy? Go to SoundCloud and listen to any old extravaganza. And at that point, case closed. Welcome to another, well, just... Not another Sunday night. With your pal, your chum, your buddy, the lightning guy, on R&I. You're listening to John P. Lightning on R&I. Radio with the free speech difference.
Thank goodness for that. Good evening to each and every one of you listening tonight. As far as those of you not listening tonight, ah, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> hey, and you don't even know. I just told you to go fuck off, pretty much. Yes, welcome to the show, to your extravaganza with I, the lightning guy at the helm this evening with 11L Network Radio New York International Programming. From now until I've had my full of myself, and I'm often full of myself. Actually, that's, that, that's a lie. I'm always full of myself. If there is one thing about me, that resembles the thankfully former guy, it is that I am full of myself. And I've considered why, and then I realized, why not? For very good reasons. Just try to find better radio. You're more likely to find a cogent thought rattling about that barren cratium of of Marjorie Trader Green, about whom I'm going to have a tad more to say in this hour. You You would be way more likely to find two of her brain cells linking up and producing a rational statement than finding a variety show on the radio that can challenge our position here at R&I as America's most ignored radio show as presented by an insufferable libtard with delusions of talent. Maybe someday I'll display some. Stick around. You'll be rewarded, right? But I am armed with opinions you need to hear, so to speak. You know, I think every time I put those words back to back to back, I owe Dave a royalty check. Not that he's going to see one. Uh, There are opinions you should adopt as your own. Yeah, adopt them. Take them in. Give them a good meal, a warm bath, some sativa weed cut with opiated hash. Oh, yeah. And if you do that, those opinions you adopt will never leave your home. There'll be freeloading opinions living in your mind's basement forever and ever and ever. Yeah, I've now smoked weed three times this year. Did so back on Wednesday with some opiated hash, and boy, did that feel really fucking good. And it also reminded me of how really fucking good it could feel if you are doing uh, quality weed and not doing it all the time, you know, day after day, like some friends of mine, I, I, I wonder how they could really appreciate it because the longer the layoff between uh, <clears throat> smoking sessions, the uh, the higher, the better you're going to get, the better you're going to feel. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I said, now I have no need to smoke at least until tomorrow. No, until probably, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. No, no, maybe, maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday. Got to space out those days that I space out. I feel better that way. And you're going to feel better tonight because you are going to get to gorge yourself on radio with the what the fuck difference. That's right. It's music, news, comedy, commentary, and a hip been helping and a heaping helping of fun and, and i just probably gripped in my teeth really well it, was that what i was using oh no i was using fixing it i have to go back to the poly grip it works better you know my 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 pally allen in brooklyn uh was uh, i believe the first person uh to uh to email me with news of tucker carlson firing and uh, his response was tucker who so I'm just going to read you a, a paragraph or two of what I replied to him on my Facebook page, for those of you that don't read my Facebook page. And why not? Well, this is what I read after I wrote it. He has been a liability for some time now. He has been implicated in sexual harassment situations by former Fox Foxes, mm-hmm, for which litigation is pending. He was also still engaging in election BS. Yeah, I'm sure that got him in some trouble and, you know. Fox News is still looking at perhaps having to make another significant settlement with Smartmatic. That suit pending. And, uh, of course, it's cost Fox millions uh, currently. 
in excess of $750 million as his show was, uh, you know, not doing all that well. Yes, ratings-wise, but not sponsor-wise. Uh, I mean, it was the best show ratings-wise on Fox, but the sponsors he, would get, he was getting up. B-list sponsors. Now, sponsors who buy time on his show were not generating enough money to consider keeping him around. So maybe now, I don't know what he's going to do. Not that I care. Probably sit back and wait to, oh, some people think he might run for public office, perhaps against Deadbeat Donald. No, no, no. He might he might run as Deadbeat Donald's running mate. That's right. Or start his own news service, uh, join an existing internet service. Maybe make a splash on Rumble, or the, uh, still, I don't, do not believe enough people on Rumble to uh, make that financially stable. Or maybe CNN will give up that both side shit and welcome him aboard. But regardless, somehow I feel he's going to end up making tens of millions off of his firing. But ultimately, he was a financial liability, folks. And of course, he was an HR fucking nightmare. This is the guy who often called his female boss at Fox a cunt. And considering the low-level sponsors his show was attracting, uh, paying that reduced fee to be on the show, uh, because big-name brands and companies were a tad skittish about sponsoring a show steeped in in such good old-fashioned American virtues or non-virtues like racism, hate speech, conspiracy chatting, insurrectionist propaganda, and a lot of other no-nos, so I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. And, you know, sadly, you can make book on it. I'll, I'll, matter of fact, I might call Tony or Vito as soon as I find out who's replacing him. Uh, he'll be replaced by another reliable timepiece for Republican politics, albeit probably uh, more moderate Republican politics. Because it's known that management at Fox wants pro-DeSantis voices to dominate their shows. And uh, despite his trashing a deadbeat Donald, Tucker still was platforming him. And with Trump's troublesome tongue, I'm sure management did not want the former guy on the air regularly any longer. Because his stolen election bullshit well, already cost him three quarters of a, of a billion bucks. And Smartmatic is in the on-deck circle, okay? And, uh, and, and Rupert uh, c- couldn't tolerate it anymore. He couldn't. Matter of fact, there's a story going around. I'm probably going to screw it up. I don't remember it exactly. Uh, the woman he was scheduled uh, to marry. Well, what is he now? Like now, 70, 72? No, 92. He's 92, and I think she was 16. Okay, 13. I don't, substantially younger than Rupert. And one night at a... Uh, at a uh, fete uh, that he was giving in his wine garden. Fucking guy's got a wine garden. Damn right, I'm jealous. Uh, and, and probably with good wine. Unlike, you know, the $10 bottle stuff I buy that I actually enjoy. Sometimes more than the $30, 40 or $50 stuff. Uh, his, uh, his 2B wife was there, along with Tucker Carlson. And she started speaking to Ruben about, about how Tucker has been sent from God. Sent from God is a messenger from God to, uh, to show us the way, to show us the way away from libtard politics. And he was like, wait a minute, she, she, thinks, she thinks Tucker has been sent as a messenger from God? And I'm considering marrying this fucking idiot? So, of course, marriage was called off. Suddenly, wedding plans were no more. And that was, uh, that was probably also part of the beginning of the end for Mr. Carlson. And as I said to my pally, Alan, short-term, America, democracy, and 
actual news wins. And poor Don Lemon, yeah, we might we might discuss him. Well, we will, if I if I can find the time. Poor Don Lemon, even when he finally gets canned by CNN, he's playing second news fiddle. He's traveling Tucker again all week long, and of course, I can't wait. Oh, oh I tell you, the one thing I'm really, really, really looking forward to is uh, is his daily podcast, right? Right. Oh yes, sir, Bally. And uh, Tucker didn't get a chance to say good lie. I mean goodbye. Because according to David Feldman, by the way, F-E-L-D-M-A-N, a comic and then some, uh, another one of those guys I follow whose YouTube channel should count you among his subscribers, uh, that was his line, not mine, uh, because you'll know mine, they're relatively cheesy. But Tucker is probably now just days away from obtaining the irrelevancy he has so long deserved, deserved. And of course... Once you're gone in the manner he is, you know, look back at the O'Reilly's and all these people. When they're gone, they're gone. I mean, he was let go from a network with delusions of news, <laughs> a corporate cistern that is known to amass files of dirt on its employees. Boy, talk about a toxic workplace. So Tucker is unlikely to say anything really bad about Fox. I mean, he might even have some kind of agreement in place that keeps him from doing that if he wants to continue collecting the paycheck because he's, uh, he's still on the contract, even though he's not allowed on the air anymore. That's right. They're, they're uh, supposedly paying him his uh, contracted salary, and he would forfeit lots of cash and big prizes if he hammers about his being let go. So take the money and shut the fuck up, Tucker. All rational, logical, lucid Americans would appreciate your silence, you scumbag. Of course, that's also the feelings of John P. Lightning. And and I should announce all all as part of, you know, the transition I have been going through. Mm -hmm. This is day 26,217 of being an asshole. (laughs) Thank you very much. And still no product endorsement office. Come on, Jerry Coke, where's my check? Hey, Hormel, do I not mention bacon enough? My love affair with bacon. Hey, PonyGirlsInBondage.com. I do believe you need a responsible and articulate spokesperson. That's right. Of course, I mean me. I know I confused you for a minute there. I've got to. One of these days, I'll find my grift one day. Probably find it in the cutouts aisle of the Dollar General. Actually, every aisle in the Dollar General store is a cutout aisle, right? (laughs) You know you are poor. Excuse me. Financially depressed and living in a financially depressed neighborhood or town. When they have a Dollar General store or three Dollar General stores or a Dollar General store right across the street from a family dollar store, you don't want to buy a house there. And uh, they're, they're becoming uh, they're, they're becoming uh, more uh, more better known, more better known. Good English, Johnny. Around the area, they're as ubiquitous in parts of the South as nail salons and smoke shops <clears throat> are in Manhattan. And you know the ones I'm talking about, the ones selling THC eight, wink, wink. Yeah, it's THC eight weed, man. Wink, wink. I have some so-called THC-8 hash. And the THC-8, unlike THC-9, which is the primary ingredient, that marijuana that really gets you high, it, uh, it's, it's less effective because THC-8, uh, where, where you might have on the average these days at least 20% THC in bud, if it's THC-8, it's more like maybe 2 or 3%. Well, 
What they sent me in the mail, uh-uh, is more like THC 20% at least. It's way too effective to be THC 8, thankfully. Yeah, sometimes fruit in advertising, not a good thing. But Dollar General stores, I, I, I know now there's one because I have Google Art. The one in Bentonia, Mississippi, where I haven't been in just about a lifetime, uh, it gets five stars. Hey, how about that? A five-star Dollar General store. The package store attached to it probably is how it got that rating. And here in my almost Tony section of the Isle of Staten, well, it gets pricey about two blocks north of me. That's where the rich fucks who live on the other side of the Staten Island Railroad tracks are. They have a $50 general store. <laughs> what? They'll pay $50 for six rolls of knockoff bounty towels just because they're supposed to. Well, I've never paid less than $50 for a dustpan and a hand broom. <laughs> what, what do you think I am, Mr. Poor? No, no. You live in a house alongside of the lake. And good for you. Because it's really a mosquito breeding pond, okay? <laughs> Good luck, you well-offers. Fine by me, fine by me. I, I used to think, wow, I'd like to have one of those houses. Until uh, I, I took a walk through the woods to, uh, to an area of, of the lake where there were no homes. And uh, I left within five minutes, and it took me about uh, five weeks uh, before all the mosquito bites stopped issuing me. Not a good place to be. I'm glad I'm a couple of blocks away from that shit now. But Dollar General stores, you have to be careful what you buy there at all times. At all times. And I do love their frozen food section. Yeah, there's there's a Dollar General store uh, down the road a piece for me in Clifton. Of course, in Clifton. And you can find legit bargains at those stores. By the way, for those of you out of the area, which is hopefully most of you, Clifton, the poor part of Staten Island. Well, one of them. And uh, the crab meat I bought there, I, I tried it. And I know also that crab meat doesn't have much to do with crab. But this stuff really needed to be bracketed by quote marks and a question mark. And I foolishly decided to read the list of ingredients. So what am I buying here? All right. I could be a tad misinformed. But sawdust, bone meal, powdered soap, and acetone were unexpected crab meat ingredients to me. And of course, it was labeled product of China, which was even more surprising because I did not read the word lead as one of the ingredients. And it was an ingredients list that did not mention actual fish, all right? That was the only thing to me about the, uh, about that item that was a little fishy, so to speak. And they never list any of the preservatives, which should be the first ingredient listed in these things, because it had an expiration date on it of never, <laughs> never. Be and by the way, be be very wary of the food products sold on Wish.com. Just fair warning to you at all. And this crab meat was labeled farm fresh, uh, <laughs> farm fresh. Crab meat. Although they do farm, I understand that's the word they use, they do farm uh, certain types of fish like tilapia. So farm fresh, all right. Although I was unaware that Monsanto owned farms. No, no list of ingredients on the Monsanto brand crab meat, although it does come with an MSDS form. Has the number of the poison control center on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monsanto is selling farmed crab meat Farmed crab meat, in addition, in addition to selling boatloads of chemicals to be used on farms. And they sell chemical safety PPE at the same store. That's right. You're all set up your one-stop shopping place. That's right. They, uh, they hit the chemical monster monopoly trifecta, to which I say, 
Yaman. Santo. And oh, a quick consumer shopping hint, folks, before I forget, because it's easy for me to do. Um, see, I've already forgotten. Oh, yes. Do not buy crab meat, not only from Wish.com, but from AliExpress. I'm telling you right out, folks, don't do it. And uh, go to Costco, right? Go to Costco. You can buy it by the skid. Hey, remember, the expiration date is never. You buy your skids away, just put it out back. You know, I don't even think you need to refrigerate it. You know, get as much as you can. And speaking of buying food by the skid, uh, brother Dave, our boogeyman, is a Costco member. And he keeps wanting to take me there when he makes a Costco run. It's like, come on, John, you'll save some money. Oh, the money I'll save, pal, I'll end up spending, and then some, to rent out a 40-yard dumpster to toss all that shit I'll never consume into. Although it's likely you'll all have an expiration date and never, so maybe I don't need to do that. And also, I'm never going to use a skid's worth of anything. Especially at my age. Unless I'm buying a skid of baby oil and hand wipes for use during and after masturbatory fantasies. Thank you. Uh, No, thank you. I'll, I'll never need most of it. And besides, there's only so much Pony Girl porn I've yet to read. So there's a dirt to Pony Girl for. Hey, who will be the Pony Girl equivalent of Dylan Mulvaney, huh? Yeah, how far did I make it into the show before I mentioned that uh, that un- unusual, although still somewhat interesting character? Hey, uh, who will be that Pony Girl equivalent? Anybody guess? Or may I see a show of hands decorated with acrylic nails? May I believe? Bud Light may have to replace the Clydesdales with Pony Girls. Ah, giddy up indeed. Then I'll stop buying Bud Light, even though I would never drink that swell. Yes, indeed, folks. Day 493 of being a girl. A pony girl. Who wants to sponsor me? (laughs) Come on, somebody. Maybe the bondage warehouse. There's a bit in there somewhere I know. Come on down to the bondage warehouse. Can can I see a show of hooves? Who wants to go to the bondage (laughs) warehouse? Tracy goes to Pony Girl College. Great story, by the way. I found that at at at, at, at boundandgag.com. Oh man! Well, actually, it wasn't a Pony Girl College. It was really a prison for Pony Girls, where they're trained to obey and serve. Yeah, they're sentenced as slaves for the remainder of their overstimulated and brutally punished lives. Their bridles and bits, rendering them mute, docile playthings. For the vicious masters and mistresses that use the whip and the reins to control their human beast. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sometimes my mind creates pony girl porn out of the nothingness. Uh-huh. The nothingness that is the mind of John B. Lightning. So, yeah, I'll, I'll also admit, I don't get most fetishes. No matter how hard I try to, baby. And yet, this urge to be ridden hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew I was officially old. When I removed Mistress Angina <coughs> from, my, from my important numbers list on my cell phone. Yeah. Mondays with Mistress Angina. Kind of like, uh, well, bi-yearly sessions do just fine now. Right? Now, age. But at least I do not require a little blue pill to get my big red vein tool up and running. Why? What do I do now? Yes, ride me, mistress. Ride me hard. See, I can get exceptionally stupid while remaining minimally lucid here on Radio New York International. But problem of late is my inner asshole is getting out more and more often. I don't know. I, I put in the security system. You know, and, and then when he gets out, I've got to coax him back. 
And I, I thought I'd lock up that door really well. And I have to coax him back with the weed that I want to smoke. <laughs> and of course, my in job, uh, I, I discussed, I, I believe, a couple of shows ago uh, that uh, he brought me up on charges. And no, I never touched him. Inner child, outer asshole, I'm trans moods these days. That's right. See, I really am trans. I don't want to play the fool, friends, but I've got so much experience. <laughs> well, they always say, do what you're best at, right? I've got so much experience. People are like, look at that boy's resume. Mm-mm. Nobody here is going to out asshole lightning. No, no. I'm on a winning streak, baby. Yeah, even when you win sometimes, you know. My ship never comes in. I think it's a scad. It's looking at at New York City like, uh uh-uh. Hey, come on. My island shoreline is nowhere near the Bronx. You can feel safe here. This is Staten fucking island. The only thing that will attack you here are the wild turkeys. And about them, I say, shoot them on sight. Oh, but Johnny, fuck off. Shoot them on sight. I always tell the locals, if you find turkey eggs on your property and mama turkey is not around, make an omelet. <laughs> Just make an omelet. And these turkeys out here don't give a flying fuck. They look at you like, uh, yeah, you want to try something? You're waiting for me to get out of your way? They'll attack you and then they'll lawyer up. You know, barky dogs and gobble goblin turkeys are infesting my aisle. And by the way, if one has to suffer the ravages of both of them simultaneously, that would be hell. That would mean hell has pulled up right alongside of my formerly happy home. You know, Satan would be behind the wheel. Uh, excuse me, can I park Hades here for a while? Now, I'm going to Costco. Is this spot needed? I'll be right back. I swear, I swear. I wouldn't trust the fucker. But they are shitty tenants. No, no, no. Not the people in Hades. Of course, I'm referring to those turkeys. And they're shitty on every surface. Wherever they are, there'll be this shit dangling in the air. <laughs> it's in the air. A more foul city foul I cannot identify. And yes, these are creatures. Not sorry. They're of no discernible use or need, folks. None. And... They're wild turkeys, and wild turkeys are not edible. You know, they're somewhat gamey. So what the fuck do they contribute to the ecosystem other than upon evacuation? And I don't compost. I live in New York City where I can read the New York compost. And by the way, by the way, does anyone listening read the daily paper via a printed newspaper, you know, on paper edition with with ink? Is that how you might read the compost? Or, like most people, do you do it just online? I wonder how turkeys compost. Uh, Hopefully I won't have to find out. Because we've got to keep that kind off of our island. We're going to take back Staten Island one block at a time. Then we're going to secure the perimeter so no more can get in. Hopefully. But I've been hearing that for as many years as I've been out here. Which is what now? 12 going on 13? Or is it 13 going on 14? Not enough. Not enough. Got to keep piling up those years. Folks... And uh, to all the elected representatives of my aisle that are not listening tonight, you either remove them or we are going to have to. And, you know, uh, one would have to remove those turkeys from one's property in an effective manner or get in touch with Monsanto. That's because the right chemicals and say adios, MF, to your turkey problems. Call now. Yeah, I have a friend from Brooklyn. Uh, who stops by on occasion, and uh, and there, there were a couple of turkeys a few blocks away from me, and he was like, oh, they're kind of cute. Think so? Take that one home. The pregnant one over by the shed. <laughs> Please, take it home. Fuck out of here, Polly. Are you kidding?
No way. No, there's no way. No way I would allow that. Good heavens. I'd be making a phone call to an ordering department. I'd be on the phone and would be like, uh, hello, Monsanto? With the lightning guy, your extravaganza. You know, taking care of your lawn these days sure seems complicated. Big trucks, fancy service contracts, dangerous chemicals. It all seems so unnecessary, especially now when you can call on something as easy and natural as Kim Dog. Each week, the Kim Dog will personally inspect your lawn. For weeds and crabgrass, he'll spray liquid formula number one. And for those patches where grass just don't seem to grow, your Kim dog will apply a special layer of formula number two. Ooh, boy, watch your step. That's all natural fertilizer. So if your lawn's looking kind of shaggy, unleash the Kim dog. We may not be the best, but we sure got a leg up on the competition. Oh, not on my shoe. Kim dog. Bad dog. Kim dog. From the Isle of Staten in New York City, 11L Radio. It's your Extravaganza with John P. Lightning. It's a great day. A great day to be your best with Lipridor. Ask your doctor if Lipridor is right for you. Uh, hey, Doc, is Lipridor right for me? Lipridor? Oh, um, you don't want to get involved with Lipridor. Please, Doc, I want to be my best. I just don't think... Doc, I want Lipridor. <laughs> Fine. You want Lipridor? I'll bring you Lipridor. Sign this waiver. All right, bring it on. Oya, Toya. What are you doing? Bringing you Lipridor. Oh, Lipridor, dark master of the underworld, hear the call of your servant, mighty Lipridor. I bring you another sacrifice. Sacrifice? Come, mighty Lipridor. He has fulfilled the prophecy and asked for you by name. Yeah, no, wait. Come, mighty Lipridor. Hungry Lipridor, your feast awaits. No! Don't wait. Ask your doctor today about Lipridor. Side effects may include death, dismemberment, being eaten, or being dragged down into the underworld dimension for a life of eternal enslavement. From New York City, this is Radio 11. 11th power. You're tuned to the 11L Network. Brought to you in part by Count Flatula Cereal. Yes, Count Flotula. It's the little chunks of sugar coated with wheat, bran, rubber, glycerin, corn, beets, beans, and old computer memory chips soaked in typo blood, a part of any nutritious breakfast. Uh? Count Flotula cereal. It's cereal, but after you've had a bowl, you'll need to sit on one. <laughs> Count Flotula. Tastes like cereal, smells like someone cut the cheese. <laughs> Count Flotula. And now, and now, John P. Lightning, R.N.I. I am John P. Lightning. 
Radio's raunchy rock on tour of ribald opinions. Ribald for your pleasure. <laughs> so does Reagan. I use ripped and lubricated condoms for my protection. Wouldn't want to give myself anything. <laughs> Although if I did have an STD or three, I'd not rub her up. Well, I wouldn't rub her up if I was forced at the point of a gun to, oh, say, have to fuck old Marjorie Taylor Green. Ah! Even if she kept her socks on. <laughs> After all, we know, hey, what's the rule about Margie? I was barely able to hear that. Okay, but I, I think somebody said, ah, fuck who cares. Crack, crack it up. Yeah, if you're going to be getting it on with Marjorie Taylor Green, be sure her socks stay on. And uh, that soundbite that you couldn't hear because I'm a terrible live mixer is your reminder to watch another YouTube channel, that of our pally Tommy Campbell. Yeah, his uh, YouTube videos always work your while he drops two every week. And they're invariably really funny. And uh, I enjoy his work. So it's highly likely you will too. And by the way, isn't missing a few toes the sign of the devil? Come on. The mark of the beast. And man, is she ever a beast. <laughs> and she got her comeuppance last week. No, no, not that kind of come. Although she does have a boyfriend now. yeah, uh, uh, A media person that she's in love with. It's true, folks. There is someone for everyone. Even someone such as Margie, who should have bottom surgery just so as to spare this planet any future demon seed children! Yeah, make America great again, lady. Have that vag sewn shut. <laughs> Really? In her case, it is, it's is—it's an open wound. It's wounding the nation. And uh, once again, please, Margie. The socks stay on. Always make sure if you're a, the socks have to stay on. And, uh, you know, I might be bad for having said what I just said. Oh, fuck it, I am. But, you know, uh, her kids may be perfectly fine people. Her kids, she's got three of them. What are the odds of that being true? Oh, Johnny, how dare you pick on her children? Why not? None of them are minors, although her oldest boy only has, I think, five kids. But, you know, he's 19. Uh, all right, no, I'm speculating here, and I'm sure Mama would be so proud. Yeah, <laughs> You know you are inarguably a moron, a fucking moron when you literally define the term Dunning-Kruger effect. And she does. And by the way, she does so, and she doesn't even know she's doing so. <laughs> and when you do not know what the term Dunning-Kruger effect means, all right, you fit it. Because Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's a low-level human, kind of human, human-like, human-like. Hey, any actual god would say, uh, excuse me, uh, over here, uh, yo, can I have that one back? And if it seems, but I, I stated as much on the Book of Face before going on the air tonight, if it seems as if I'm picking on her for no particular reason, you're right. There are too many reasons to just single out one, but I'll give you more than a couple here this evening because she's been on a roll of late. And as I alluded to a minute or three ago, this intellectual cipher, mother of three, motherfucker of a nation, displayed her usual lack of class and her sheer stupidity again 
when she tried to score redneck points a week or so ago, by, by uh, she was laying into Randy Weingarten, who is the longtime head of the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, which is actually a, a minimal teachers union compared to the other one, which is the Federation of a lot more teachers or whatever the fuck the name of it is. Uh, but she was laying into Miss Weingarten, uh, who had been, uh, I believe, subpoenaed. Uh, to a meeting of the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, uh, during which uh, Margie and other Republicans questioned Ms. Weingarten over the AFT's involvement in shutting down schools and forcing kids to mask up to to, to attend school. And of course, an anti-vaxxer vixen such as Margie, she's still upset over that policy. She's still going out of her way to try to put down everybody that was involved in those policies, which may or may not have worked, but at least somebody was trying to do something unlike the person that she supports who did minimally, well, who did just about nothing. And now, it's quite all right to feel that way. I'm kind of alluding to the fact that she may, just may, be justifiably right in holding beliefs that masking and shuttering schools wasn't for the best. And it certainly did not result in smarter kids, but she attacked Weingarten in her typically dismissive, my shit doesn't stink and you're an evil cunt manner. That's the way she did it. And now Miss Weingarten should not be immune to questioning, of course. I mean, she did use her position to favor keeping schools closed during the pandemic. And uh, she does head up a union of nearly 2 million educators, a union that, by the way, gifted the Democratic Party with in excess of 26 million greenbacks during the 2020 election season. I mean, what are the fucking dudes these teachers are paying? How much? Come on! And Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, has to load her just for that reason. And I'm sure uh, she also ticks off at least two more boxes on Margie's bigot bingo card. First of all, Miss Weingarten is gay. Gay. And she's also a Jew. She's a Jew. No, no, not a Jew. Looks like we have a winner. Yes, indeed, we do have a winner, folks. Gay, an abomination in the eyes of her non-existent God. And a Jew? who likely uh, uses AFT dues money to fund those uh, Jewish space lasers. Well, no, that's certainly not the case. She should be funding Jewish space lasers, and if they existed, they should be trained on Margie's home in Cornhole County, Georgia. Isn't it Cornhole County? I'm not sure. And she talks the way she does for one particularly obvious reason, trying to impress her base. Trying to impress her base, her free basing constituents, no doubt. And uh, that got her to, uh, among other things, say the following during this congressional hearing. What I'd like to talk about is your recommendations to the CDC as not a medical doctor, not a biological mother, um, oh, and, and really not a teacher huh? either. What? You had no business advising the CDC what the medical guidelines were for school closures, because now we have a nation of school children who have suffered because of it. The problem is, is people like you need to admit that you're just a political activist, not a teacher, not a mother, and not a medical doctor. Wow, not a mother. That is the Sikkim style of that clueless Gavon. And none of that was necessary. Not one fucking bit of it was necessary. Now, you may agree. Hey, John, who's the head of the AFT? 
to make school closing decisions during the pandemic, which she did. And uh, while maybe, maybe she made those decisions because she is the head of the American Federation of Teachers. Maybe she made those decisions out of concern, out of concern for the children and, of course, the teachers she represents. That kind of probably put her in the position of having to make some recommendations that she thought to be appropriate, necessary. And no, one does not have to be a medical doctor to have an opinion considering her position. And Margie also showed off her better-than-thou sanctimonious step in limited ways, but also in livid color, because she castigated Randy as not being a biological mother. Can you imagine how that makes many stepfathers and stepmothers feel? What the fuck? What are preening putts? Because why would that matter? Weingarten has two stepchildren, of course, stepchildren of a godless gay liaison, right, Marjorie Taylor Greene? She has raised and loves two kids since she's had since they were kids. And just because those kids did not exit from Randy Weingarten's vagina, Marjorie Taylor Greene believes she is therefore, I don't know, what, what, less than a mother? I mean, what was she trying to say? That she cannot love them as much as she would love children she gave birth to? Being a stepmom is obviously not the same as being a real mom, as defined by this defiler of the Congress. So, uh, Margie, tell that to the tens of thousands of parents who adopted kids last year alone, by marriage or otherwise, and love them, and love them, and nurture them, and raise them. Marjorie Taylor's scumbaggery once again revealed for all the nation to either embrace like some fools will, or one would hope thinking people would run from this fucking moron. And then, compounding what she'd already said, because, well, first of all, she lied, kind of, by saying Miss Weingarten was not a teacher. And I say kind of because it's somewhat true, actually, as she is not currently a teacher. But uh, Randy Weingarten did teach at a high school in the old country, Brooklyn, uh, for just shy of seven years. So, okay, she was a teacher. A profession, a dim-witted tool of the ultra-magan-moron brigade, these magamorons like Margie could never be! Unless teachers with IQs lower than that of the average Labrador retriever can be entrusted to school our youngins. So Margie said a nation of school children suffered due to Randy's recommendations. And all right, indeed, it's true. The education of our young took a serious hit during COVID. Uh, And my niece, uh, my niece is a teacher of elementary school kids, and she has acknowledged to me that it laid a serious hurting on her students. Uh, She told me uh, many kids graduating grade school can barely read and or write, which is a disgraceful admission of how broken our education system is. But how many of those kids would have really suffered with serious illness or wound up dead 
if not for the often heavy-handed restrictions put in place so as to not kill them or leave them ravaged by COVID. Now, of course, we have since learned uh, that young folks with their uh, younger, I guess, healthier immune systems were the least likely to suffer serious harm from COVID. But did that mean we should not have gone overboard on trying to protect them? Yeah, there are no, 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 no easy answers here. And of course, no one opinion is fully right or wrong. But here we go. Margie compounded the cluelessness even more. The cluelessness she basked in by telling Randy that people like you, hmm, wonder what that means. People like you need to admit to being little more than political activists, something Randy surely in part is. As if that's a bad thing, if you're a political activist for good causes. All this from a Congress critter who is little more than a political shill for the Republican Party's worst elements. So listen now, pal to this follow-up exchange between the cloven-hoofed one and Miss Weingarten. Miss Weingarten, are you a medical doctor? I am not. Are you a mother? I am a mother by marriage. By marriage, I see. Miss Weingarten, and you haven't taught school since the 90s, so you're not a teacher anymore. Representative, I'm actually on leave from my teaching position, and this fall I will be teaching as a guest teacher at Cornell, my alma mater. <laughs> this fall? Boy, Randy's been on leave for a while, hasn't she? <laughs> Nonetheless, she's still an accredited teacher. So Marge, in her typical style, tried to position Miss Weingarten as a faux teacher after using her parenting position as a stepmom to seem somehow wrong or less authentic. You can't be a real mom to those kids, pal. If you do not load this creature, you're not paying attention. Or you have an IQ equivalent to about that of Miss Green. A Democratic representative, Robert Garcia of California, who was at the hearing, oh yeah, he unfurled, he totally, blatantly unfurled his disgust at the not-so-gentle lady as follows. I just want to make make note that um, the... The decorum of the attacks on the witness were unacceptable that the general lady from Georgia just did. And so it'd be nice if we didn't attack the witnesses, um, particularly whether or whether, when making a decision about whether or not she's a mother. You are a mother. Thank you for, for, for being a great parent. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Your point of order is recognized, Mr. Garcia. Even the Republicans on the panel were less than amused by MTG's typically uh, flamboyant way of reminding us who and what she is, that being a shit stain upon the legislative branch of our government. And Margie's comments were unfortunately struck from the congressional record because I would have demanded they remain in place to shame this noxious nincompoop as kind of a, you know, a a historic reminder of how badly the standards that need to be met for public office have degenerated as to allow the likes of MTG to represent anybody. Yeah, MTG is not a mother, just a motherfucker. And anyone supporting this human bile duct needs to rethink their untenable position. Yeah, there are people 
so despicable in their approach to life, and in Marge's case, politics, that they cannot be verbally assaulted sufficiently enough to keep me smiling. So here's one more clip. Uh, this one of uh, Michael Cohen, a former fixer for Deadbeat Donald, which is why I'll, I'll never truly be able to really like the guy. But the beatdown he gives to Margie is vile, obscene, and I fucking love it. I, first of all, the hairs on my arm, and I don't have a lot of hairs on my arm yeah. either, are standing up. But I hope Marjorie Taylor Greene or somebody that is within her scope of stupidity sees <laughs> this show and hears me when I say this. Fuck you. Woo! All right. You're going to turn around and to all of a sudden an adopted child means that you're not a mother. Who's caring for that child? Fuck you, Marjorie Toilet Green. There's no other way to put it. You are a <laughs> disgusting piece of shit. All right. You have no empathy for anyone. You are a grandstanding piece of shit that has no right to be in the people's house. You are a motherfucking disgrace, not just to this country. You're a disgrace to humanity. So fuck you. That clip from uh, from his weekly broadcast on the Midas Touch Network on YouTube. Uh, he does a show with Ben Marcellus, uh, and it's, by the way, always a must listen. It really is. If only because Cohen could be such an angry, loud voice of indignation. And it's usually against people deserving of such. That America has apparently normalized the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, along with the bulge. Normalize the bulge. Uh, no, no, Dylan. I'm, we so, are normalizing no. the bulge. No, we're not. It's why our democracy is in peril. No, not because of the bulge. But the representation of we the people by a cunt like Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I use that word because, well... One of my favorite listeners. Is it wrong for me to have a favorite listener? Because I, well, first of all, I have so few female listeners. I often wonder why. Uh, she recoils like an AK-15 when she hears me use that word. And I have at times used it indiscriminately. That is not the case tonight, my dear. And by the way, I use that word appropriately when it comes to MTG. As, a, as Mr. Collin did say, right? It's all about the context in which one uses a particular word. It's the context in which a word is used that makes it good or bad. There's a different group to get pissed off at you in this country for everything you're not supposed to say. Can't say fruit, can't say faggot, can't say queer, can't say Nancy boy, can't say pansy. Can't say nigger, boogie, jig, jigaboo, skinhead, jungle bunny, mooly, moulinyan, or schwatzer. Can't say yid, heeb, zeeb, kike, maki, uh, dago, guinea, wop, ginzo, greaser, greaseball, spick, beaner, oye, tiger, pr, mick, donkey, turkey, limey, frog, squarehead, kraut, jerry, hun, chink, jap, nip, slope, slopehead, zip, zipperhead, gook. There is absolutely nothing wrong.
There is absolutely nothing wrong with any of those words in and of themselves. They're only words. It's the context that counts. Yes. It's the user. It's the intention behind the words that makes them good or bad. The words are completely neutral. Mm -hmm. The words are innocent. Yep. I get tired of people talking about bad words and bad language. Bullshit. It's the context that makes them good or bad. The context that makes them good or bad. For instance, you take the word nigger. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the word nigger in and of itself. It's the racist asshole who's using it that you ought to be concerned about. We don't care when Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy say it. Why? Because we know they're not racist. They're niggers. <laughs> Context. Context. We don't mind their context because we know they're black. Hey, I know I'm whitey, the blue-eyed devil, patio fade, gray boy, honky motherfucker myself. <laughs> Don't bother my ass. They're only words. You can't be afraid of words that speak the truth. Even if it's an unpleasant truth, like the fact that there's a bigot and a racist in every living room on every street corner in this country. It's radio for consenting adults. 11L, RNI, Radio New York International. WBCQ, this is the planet. Da, 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 da. That, of course, uh, the voice of of our of of, of our pally, which who we're going to be hearing from this evening, uh, Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov, who uh, who will uh, fill up in its entirety the uh, 10 p.m. to 11, and we're out of here. Hour of your extravaganza, very interesting guy. I uh, I, I had a lot of fun interviewing him, and uh, he tells me he uh, well. He claims he had a lot of fun doing the interview, but you'll find out for yourself an hour or so from now. And, uh, of course, George Collin, I mean, he'll always be right on the money because a bad word can be used to describe a bad person. And although some women do recoil at the use of that word, face it, it long ago became as acceptable to call a noxious person of any gender a cunt. Same as, uh, same as dumb, clueless, and uh, scumbaggy men are referred to as dicks. Ah, he's a real dick. See, see, sadly, there is no equivalent word for the male appendage that has the same heft as the C word. It must be that, you know, that, that cunt sounds so harsh, opposed to calling a man a dick. You know, that's kind of light. It doesn't, it doesn't have that hard unt after, you know, unt, but it has its place. One of which was in the mouth of Tucker Carlson, so to speak. I mean, ladies, no, 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 you would not want his potty mouth attached to your genitalia. But he did use the C word to describe his female boss at Fox while he was working for her and on more than a few occasions. So the C word has been really newsworthy the last week or so. And it was used sans censorship. I, I, I was happy, glad to see on the uh, Kyle and Crystal podcast this week by both Kyle and uh, prodigiously by the missus when discussing uh, Tucker's use of us. Uh, some of you might be familiar with, uh, with, with, with Kyle, uh, who, uh, who uh, runs Secular Talk. And uh, Secular Talk channel is one you also need to subscribe to if you haven't yet. And uh, Crystal and Kyle, Crystal Ball, yes, her real name, family's last name was Ball, and they did name her Crystal, uh, the two of them together, and yes, they are a thing, they're getting married shortly. Uh, they do uh, some really interesting uh, broadcasts, and they did not candy coat the C word, or call it the C word. 
Good for them, I say. And by the way, why not? Because in the context in which it was used, they were simply quoting what Carlson said. Entirely appropriate. Entirely appropriate. Filthy to some, yes, but they were just using the word he used to describe his former boss and by not calling it the C word. It sounds like like, like a ship's horn. C word. It, it reminds us of, well, it reminds us of just what a cunt she is. Context, folks. Context. And of course, if they were quoting someone who used the N word, I suspect they would have been somewhat more circumspect and not have used it because, uh, you know, that, you know, it's the only real N word, Mr. Former Guy. You know, there, there are two N words, and the only one we can use is the nuclear one, although I'm sure he'd like to use both of them because even in, even in context, the real N-word can get you 15 to life, or certainly called from the Broadcasters Club. And by the way, I'll be quoting someone tonight if, if we have time. I don't know if we're going to have time for all the segments I'd like to get on here. Uh, someone who did use the dreaded N-word. And in the context in which it was used, it was not used as a racial pejorative. So the context in which it was used, entirely valid, entirely inoffensive. Save for those, uh, that, you know, th- those folks that it can trigger very easily. You know, the, the snowflakiest among us, those with tissue-thin feelings, feelings as easily bruised as an overwiping banana. It's the context, assholes, the context, but the N-word. It is truly the word that cannot be spoken, at least by uh, by pale guinea cunts like me. Hey, and, and when I use it, it is because I am quoting someone who did use it. I otherwise have no desire to embrace the general use of that particular word by Caucasoids or by anyone else, including persons of color for that matter. I, I don't want to see that normalized. But sometimes, sometimes it is suspiciously censored. And in situations where it should not be, for example, uh, I'm going to play a clip that I, I have played here before, probably probably five or ten years ago, uh, from perhaps Dennis Leary's best TV outing. Uh, he had a show on the air in the early 2000s called Rescue Me. And this clip uh, from an episode that aired in 2005, well, it remains a classic minute or so of quality TV in which uh, the members of the New York City Firehouse Leary's character uh, is a member of were brought in for city-mandated sensitivity training and by a very sensitive trainer. How many of you would say that you're prejudiced? Show of hands. Okay, so you know, this is a usual response. No one identifies him or herself as prejudiced. We all think, okay, we have a hand up. You think you're prejudiced? <laughs> yep. Against who? Well, let's see. Uh, Chevy and the Unns, it costs 12 grand to buy, but have $8,000 paint jobs and nine spicks inside them smoking weed. That's one thing. Okay, now listen. The, the term spick. That's okay. No spick. Well, see, that's really not... Crazy chink broads who don't know how to drive in the first place, and now they got cell phones stuck to their ears while they're doing 65 miles an hour down 6th Avenue. Huh? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Got crazy chinks on bikes with 10 pounds of Chinese food strapped to the handlebars. Okay, yeah. now, see, the word chink is what I like to call a problem word. Uh, if I were a chink, I'd rather be called a chink than a... Gook. Okay, now hold on. Listen to me, please. Chinese people would not like to be called gook or chink or pan face or zipper head or... See, that's another thing. I mean, Puerto Ricans, we get shafted even when it comes to racism. Chinks got what? Like four ethnic slurs? We get one. Spit. <laughs> that's it. The Irish, they got Mick, Patty, Donkey. 
Italians, they got Guinea, Wop, Dago. Yeah, Spaghetti Bender. Uh, spaghetti Bender went out of style during Sinatra's first marriage. Yep. Greaseball? Yeah, Greaseball, there you have it, that's four. That's right, you know what, same thing with the Jews, right? Eve, Kike, Jew Boy, Benny, Shylock. It's five. Yeah, black people forget about it. Spear Chucker, Jungle Bunny, Raisin Head, Porch Monkey, Spook. Giant, Tar Baby. Yeah, it's endless, totally unfair. Yeah. And I watched that thinking that the producers of that show weren't really brave at all, but that they were cunts. Okay, I could have said pussies, but it lacks the impact of the C word. And by the way, as I mentioned, Kyle and Crystal used it without worries about offending someone, which was probably unlikely because uh, their audience is generally left-leaning. It's a progressive audience. So here's a clip from that Kyle and Crystal podcast, uh, where they discuss the late host of Fox News. Yeah, of course, we're referring to uh, Tucker. Fox has a gigantic oppo file on him. Mm -hmm. And if he unleashes on them, even if he takes like pot shots at them, they will probably be like, all right, here we go. Here's some more. Here's They'll just leak bit by bit, death by a thousand cuts. And in fact, even though that was lame, they still might do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But you made a good point to me. I went through all the reasons why that piled on top yeah. of each other as to why he was fired, but you pointed out he called Suzanne Scott, who's the head of Fox News, a cunt. Well, we in don't internal know for sure it was Suzanne Scott, but that's what I suspect. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that probably he added, his boss a cunt. That added to the mix. So you got the <laughs> yeah. Dominion lawsuit, you got the Smartmatic lawsuit, you got the Grossberg lawsuit. And then he was becoming a problem for the business effort because, yep. you know, he got too big for his britches. He thought he was bigger than Fox News. He thought he could go around calling whoever his bosses are a cunt. And part of the reporting was they managed to get that redacted from the Dominion filings. And he was mad because he wanted the world to know that he had called this senior executive, whether it was Suzanne Scott or someone else, a cunt. So, yeah, they had to, felt like they needed to check him. What irritated me about that video and about some of the coverage of him is like trying to make him out into some sort of like free speech martyr. You tell me, if you called your boss a cunt and you were costing your company billions of dollars, what do you think is the reason that you're getting oh. fired? It, you know, and that's the part that's like, sort of uh, the way that he frames himself like he's so righteous, et cetera, and always just speaking the truth and thank God there are still places where the truth can still be heard. Okay, please, come on. And by the way, is it more acceptable for a woman to use the C word? Just like a person of color can just about never be censured or called out for using the dreaded N word? I don't know. If you do, you can email us. I I think we have a couple of emails, but I've, I've yet to have time to even look at any of them. And I do appreciate your participation in this year's show that you do know, don't you? Uh, and not, not in the biblical sense, as the a little bit of everything, Radio Extravaganzo. And oh, look at that. It's the top of the hour. I know what I got to do now. You are tuned to 6.160 megahertz, and you're listening to The Planet, WBCQ, broadcasting to you from Monticello, Maine, in the United States of America. WBCQ. Context, context, friends. Yeah, I know I've hammered loudly on that point frequently, but I do it because I realize I have to. You know, it's that it's that it's that bad word shit. No, no, no bad words. George was right. Just words that, when used indiscriminately, can be kind of bad, but otherwise no. And by the way, lest I forget, and like I'd allow you to, 
there was this classic John McCain C-word gaffe. Actually, there were a few, uh, but, but here's, a, here's a fine example. Today, our economy is weakening, and as I travel this country and meet and talk with people, I can see how things are getting a lot tougher for many, many Americans. As I see it, individuals and families are feeling real pressure in four major areas. <laughs> Housing prices are flat or declining, and Americans have lost their homes, are in danger of losing them. A credit con- crunch. <laughs> Excuse me, what, 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 what did you say, John? A credit con- crunch. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think that would be a swell name for a credit agency, right? Offering credit to dirtbags and degenerates at credit con. We'll open wide to offer you loan rates only 20% above that we used to consider usury rates, which was 20%. And hey, when did that law stop being applied to the avaricious greedsters who have made credit card rates 25% or more and, and who have made them normal? They've, they've normalized them. No. All right, we're not talking about the bulge. Get the fuck out of here. And and by the way, on another occasion, John McCain used the dreaded C word. Uh, I do not recall when or where it was. It was a while ago. But regardless, I I took that use of uh, of the C word and turned it into something that we referred to at the time and still do as the cunt loop. Cunt, 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 cunt. All right, all right, I'll stop it. All right, you, 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 you understand now and by the way by the way he did once publicly refer to his wife his wife using that word in public and that's definitely not defensible although i'm not sure what the overall context was but i can surmise it was not used in a complimentary fashion but regardless it all comes back to marjorie taylor's simple green who does embody everything wrong with that word. That Well, first of all, that she can be ascribed to be a woman. Excuse me, that was wrong with me. To consider her a woman is worse than using that word to describe her. As I said at the start of this rap, she is almost, almost kind of human and near genetic miss of a human at best, at best. And uh, as if more proof is necessary, here are a few more brief moments of Marjorie Trailer Green showing off her worthlessness. Uh, starting, uh, starting with uh, w- w- with this one. You know, she she's very much in favor of defunding the FBI. I mean, that's a thing with these MAGA mutts. You know, you know the we support our men in blue bullshit artists like MTG. Because unless those law enforcement officers are aiding her and her mindless minion of magamuts, not a fan. But she was taken on in part by Congressman Dan Goldman. Uh-oh. Goldman, huh? Break out the space laser, Margie. Well, what he did was pretty much tell her to shut the fuck up. Outrage, complete outrage, where China is poisoning America's children, poisoning our teenagers, poisoning our young people. Me, 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 How long me, me, are you me, going me. to let this go on? Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. No, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. You are letting this go on, and the numbers. Well, no, obviously. Actually, I want you to take the words of the speaker down. So in uh, making a ruling on this, uh, it's pretty clear that the rules state you can't impugn someone's 
uh, character, uh, identifying or calling someone a liar is unacceptable in this committee. And I make the ruling that we strike those words. It's, sorry, just a point of order, legitimate question. Did you move to take the words down or to strike them, Mr. Thompson? Take them down. My understanding is if words are taken down, that means that the, the member can no longer speak in whatever the proceeding is ah. that those words were said. Personal inquiry, point of personal inquiry. That's, there's no, no such Stand thing. Stand by just a second. House, uh, when we strike, uh, it does terminate the time of the individual who is speaking. So uh, the gentlelady is no longer. Is no longer whatever. I don't know. It ended just like that. Well, the person censuring her was a fellow Republican. That is how odious even those who generally support her often find her. And again, too bad her words were excised, although it did silence her from further participation in the hearing as one such, uh, you know, that, that type of sanction. And that's it. You're true for the day. Unfortunately, not for life. But she was true for the day. This is the sanctimonious Ophi who compared Donald Trump to her Lord and Savior, Jesus H. Christ, when she soiled soiled my city with her fortunately brief appearance in New York City, a city that has no love for a bigoted, bloviating bum like Marjorie Taylor Greene. President Trump is joining some of the most incredible people in history being arrested today. Um, Nelson Mandela was arrested, served time in prison. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was arrested and no. murdered by a, the Roman government. He's done nothing wrong. He's, yep. he's done everything right. Jesus, yeah, he's done everything right, and everything about you is wrong. And there's uh, more proof, well, uh, there's her continuing beef with late-night comic and political commentator. I think he's become more political commentator than a comic, and um, I'm referring to the, the best of the bunch on Late Night, and that's Jimmy Kimmel. I have the weirdest life, I really do. Once again, I find myself in the middle of a brouhaha, as I appear to have run afoul of probably the worst woman in American politics, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the <laughs> Congress person from the 14th District of Georgia, is unhappy. She's specifically unhappy with me. She's had a tough couple of days. On our show Tuesday night, MTG, Clan Mom, as we call her, earlier in the day, <laughs> called three of her fellow Republicans pro-pedophile for supporting Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's nomination to the Supreme Court, which is lovely, a lovely thing to say. So I made a joke. I said, where is Will Smith when you need him? And, Ow. Yeah. and she decided she's going to try to get some political mileage out of this. This is what she does instead of working. She tweets. After she saw it, she tweeted, ABC contacts my employer. This threat of violence against me by Jimmy Kimmel has been filed with the Capitol Police. She called the police. This. Not only did she call the police, she called the same police she voted against giving a congressional gold medal to for defending our capital against the insurrection. She helped incite on January 6th. That's who she called, the people she wanted to defund. It's amazing how quickly you can go from these liberals who can't see anything anymore to, what do you say? I'm calling the cops. Lauren Boebert has some serious catching up to do to equal Marjorie Taylor Greene's level of unmitigated stupidity. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police <laughs> spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work that we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens that want to come talk to their representatives. Last night uh, was the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner. 
And <clears throat> unlike the humorless Cretan who preceded Uncle Joe in the Oval, you know, uh, he who no one can make light of, the degenerate prick who never attended one of those dinners, Biden was there. And whoever wrote his set set him up with some really good lines and a, a montage of them I'd like to play, but I don't think time is going to permit tonight. But uh, this line I will play for you because, yeah, it was my favorite. I want everybody to have fun tonight, but please be safe. If you find yourself disoriented or confused, it's either you're drunk or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Mr. Lyndon Wade, for uh, for those fine sonos. And by the way, as Keith Olbermann pointed out, we may end up subsidizing. Well, most of us, well, those of us that have cable TV, we do subsidize the Fox News Network, uh, therefore subsidizing the Fox News payout to Dominion. If you have cable TV, you're paying for the likes of Fox to be there. And next year, Fox is likely going to ask for more money from the cable companies to continue to add their swill, and it's likely they'll get it. But we already underwrite a shitload of shitty services, right? I mean, uh, I underwrite a, a load of things that I don't watch or need. I mean, if you use any type of subscription TV service, uh, you know, you, you are underwriting programming that you probably don't watch. And I do so because... Even I can't pirate everything. <laughs> Just not possible. And, and how much of the monthly vig Verizon holds me up for is for shit like sports programming that I do not watch at all. At all. Uh, indeed, uh, here's, a, uh, here's another brief snippet of Keith Olbermann explaining this, uh, this system. Murdoch's settlement with Dominion has indeed come in part from a generous donation by us, yeah. the taxpayers of America. As this site, The Lever, writes, quote, federal law allows taxpayers to write off many legal costs, providing that they are ordinary and necessary business expenses. The IRS has repeatedly affirmed that for major corporations, paying out settlements is just part of the cost of doing business. The math goes thusly. Fox reported net income of a billion two last year, and it paid a combined state and federal corporate tax rate of 27% last year. And if none of the settlement with Dominion was covered by any insurance, Murdoch would be able to write off the entire $787.5 million as just part of the cost of doing business. And thus the deduction would be 27% of $787.5 million, $213 million, courtesy us. <laughs> I can confirm tax deductibility, said Fox Corporate Chief Communications Officer Brian Nick to the reporter from The Lever, but not the amount. Your tax dollars in action. <laughs> or, or in action. Thank you for that, Keith, and, and uh, because I'm sure he never misses an extravaganza. And thank you for being a constant critic of MTG, the congresswoman from Bellevue Psycho Ward. Hey, Keith! Hey, Keith! Today and every day, uh, Marjorie Trellard Park Green could be your choice for that day's worst person in the world! And if you, yes, you, are not starting your Monday through Fridays listening to his podcast called Countdown with Keith Olbermann, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Write that wrong commencing tomorrow morning. 
or later this morning because it's always worthy of your time and attention. Come on, it's John P. Lightning approved, so truly, you need to know nothing more. Give him a listen. New episodes are posted generally within 30 minutes or so after midnight for you to stream or download. So if you're up late tonight, you can go to bed with Keith. All right, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should rephrase that. Especially if you're a cis guy and not a sissy. And Uncle Joe did do a kind of gay joke at, a, at, at the dinner last night. And yes, uh, because it, it, it appears I'm going to have no time to play the best of Biden uh, that seg here this evening. Here's Uncle Joe cutting on Ron DeSantis. Can't be too rough on the guy. After his re-election as governor, he was asked if he had a mandate. He said, hell no, I'm straight. I'm straight. I'll give you time to think that one through. I, I need the oldies but goodies bite now. <laughs> you got it? I have to tell you, as soon as I heard him say mandate, you bet I knew what was coming. Or at least I, I, I was hoping what was coming, and he didn't let me down. And uh, for, uh, for those of you in the New York City area, Joe will be at the Comedy Cellar and the Comedy Cellar <laughs> all next weekend to drink minimum, and they don't accept American Express. Fucking cunts. And by the way, in a recent edition of Countdown, Keats screwed up a word leading to a long, unedited pause. Not very professional, his production team. Uh, the person doing the editing failed to remove the fuck up and the long pause, which, of course, I'm now going to share with you. Ultimately, I did not quit my new MSNBC show a month before it was to premiere. The next morning, I took the bus back to New York and vowed as I put it in my diary, to do a show that would expose tabloidism, explodes. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> I did not ultimately quit my new MSNBC show a month before it was to premiere. The next morning, I took a bus back to New York and vowed to, as I put it in my diary, do a show that would expose tabloidism and be upright at whatever cost to a tone that I should be involved, however distantly, in a business that could, in essence, kill three people, including the most beloved woman in the world. And uh, the most thought didn't happen. Thank you. The, the most beloved woman he was referring to in that rap. Uh, was the late Princess Di. Princess Di and the other folks that uh, died in that car crash. Just to give you context, context. And in other news, oh, there's so much, there's so much, and as usual, I'm short on time. Uh, Air time, that is. Uh, Mike Pence, uh, you probably know, testified about the events of January 6th, also known as We Almost Hung Mike Pence Day by those true patriots. Yeah, true patriots, right? Right. Uh-huh. Did Pete Donald would pardon each and every one of those motherfuckers if he was to become president number 47? Any possible God help us? I wonder. Just just what Pence... I, I, I really wonder what, what, what did he have to say during that closed-door session? Oh, to have been a fly on his head during that hearing battle. From the Isle of Staten in New York City, 11L Radio. R&I! This is R&I. Oh, let the good times roll. It's 11L R&I, Radio New York International. It's my good and there's plenty of fun. 
On Radio New York International, we present host John P. Lightning, Dave, the Boogeyman, and LF Midwood Radio. Without a single fuck to give. Courtesy of John Lightning. Good guy. Billy, time for your anima. Oh, jeez, Mom, not another anima. Kids just hate getting animas, and moms hate giving them. But now there's a brand new anima that kids just love. Introducing new Ammon Animas, the candy-coated chocolate anima that makes getting cleaned out fun. Hey, Mom, can I have another anima? I don't know, Billy. That makes your third anima today. Please. Well, okay. Cool. And this time, I want a green one. Oh, sorry, son. I took all the green ones. Oh, Dad. My two boys. New Ammon Animas. Melts in your butt, not in your hand. You are listening to Radio Thank you kindly. Boy, am I a total mess tonight. I know. What's so different about tonight? Huh? What's so different, Johnny? This is the 11-0 Radio New York International, where we cut right to the heart of the issues of the day. That's right. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm currently breaking out Occam's Razor, uh, and I'm good. Uh, I'm going to shave Schroeder's cat with it. This is it's 11L, RNI, Radio New York International. I thought I already played this jingle. Ah, what the fuck? It's good enough to play again. On Radio New York International, we present host John P. Lightning, Dave, the Boogeyman, and LF Midwood Radio. Without a single fuck to give. That's right. 11 Courtesy of John Lightning. Good guy. Yes, you can thank me later. No, thank me now. Go. Go right ahead and please thank me now. Woo! Oh, yeah. It's a bell ringer. Yes, the segment you haven't been waiting for. Yes, back by popular remand. You want to remand me to Bellevue for bringing this segment back. <laughs> back by popular remand. Can I get a room with a Bellevue, please? This long overdue edition of Headlines! I'm ashamed of even before I've read them to you because... Well, because I should be, and I've already read them. I I know I should be. And shortly, you will agree. Yes, you will agree! Well, let's see. Let's get some headlines right out of the way here. Yeah, I wish you'd get the show right out of the way, Johnny. Yesterday was Willie Nelson's 90th birthday. Most people never thought he'd make it that far. <laughs> and uh, I found myself thinking, what do you get for the man who smoked everything? Perhaps oxygen and, uh, and COPD medication? <laughs> yeah, I know about that all too well. That's right. If you're a smoker... Don't end up like my sister did. Dead. Dead. Fucking dead. Cut back. Even on the weed. You know, try some edibles on occasion. Hey, I've smoked weed all the three times so far this year, and I, and I, you know, my, my, my lungs definitely feel better for it. rest of me still feels, frankly, like shit, but yeah. Well, let's see. Big news this week. All kinds of news. I don't know how much of it is really bigger than the rest, but I guess it's news... Well, not really. Yeah, Uncle Joe Biden running for re-election. Nobody's surprised to hear that. A lot of people are disgusted. And uh, in reaction to that news, Diane Feinstein, yes, indeed, 
Diane Feinstein said, oh, maybe I will too. But you likely forgot saying that seconds later, so. <laughs> and uh, this headline, kind of a headline, comes courtesy of Ted. Obviously, Ted thinks this is a good line. Me, I, I find it mediocre at best, but he sent it, so I'll read it reluctantly. Nick Cannon, rapper, comic, and all-around media-centric guy, claims he has super sperm. Super sperm. As women who have been with him often have gotten pregnant despite his practicing birth control. Super sperm. Is that going to be a new Marvel comic hero, Ted? Anyway, Ted writes, clearly, Nick is one cannon that doesn't shoot blanks. I knew, I, I knew I was making a mistake reading that line. <laughs> uh, what I don't do to hold on to every possible listener. And uh, speaking of, uh, of things written, uh, things written to the former guy, letters to Trump. That's right. That's uh, that's the uh, book he's pushing now, along with his uh, latest latest raft of NFTs. Letters to Trump. The book includes. A letters from 153 notables that was sent to Trump over the uh, over the past few decades, and it's selling so well that he's planning a much bigger book sometime within the next year. That book will be entitled "Uh huh, Subpoenas to Trump." Ah <laughs> oh, man, Atlas Shrugged will be a quicker read than that tone, Valley. And in the Garden State, that's right, Jersey, that Garden State music legend, Bruce Springsteen, is going to be getting his very own holiday. But it's a holiday only in the state of New Jersey. It'll be known each year as the first day of Springsteen. Yeah, you know what to do, Polly. Wish Foundation has refused the request to put back in the Oval Office Donald Trump, and he just wanted it for a day. Now, now where did they put that big red button? And now, where are those top secret compartmented documents? I'm... Now, a couple of years ago, I visited the headquarters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation because I was asking for a pound of high-grade sativa and a free blowjobs for life voucher at Asian Escorts Limited. I do believe I deserve it. Of course I wasn't there to help some kid. Hey, him or her can get their own weed in head. Fuck out of here. Dig in, how? Great Al, 
And Jeff Bezos has bought a new $500 million mega yacht. $500 million simply on a yacht. And I don't know why he spent that much money and did not get a yacht with a helipad. So he bought a support yacht with a helipad. Good thing he has Amazon Prime because he got free next day delivery. And the great August Hamilton writes, Now that he's dead, I expect Jerry Springer to be the next U.S. Senator from Illinois. (laughs) I like that line even if you didn't. And sea levels are rising rapidly in the southern United States. That's according to a study. Mm -hmm. By the way, when this was mentioned to the former guy, because it could negatively impact upon his property at Mar-a-Lago, he said, and of course I'm quoting, So what? I'm used to having my businesses underwater. And speaking of a business that might soon be underwater, Delta Airlines has lost $363 million already this year. You folks over there at Delta, keep looking. It may, uh, it may, it may show up alongside of my luggage. <laughs> I being the lightning guy, John P. Lightning, coming to you on the queue. What, uh, what a feature you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for. And I don't want to hear you haven't been waiting long enough. That's right. We're enjoying some headlines, aren't we? You had better be. Well... Well, RFK Jr., mm-hmm, he has leapt to a 16% rating in the, in the latest Democratic poll, despite those sex, drugs, and booze, you know, those, those little incidents in his past. 16% with all that shit behind him? I'm beginning to think that for Biden to win, he may have to choose as his new vice presidential running mate, his son, Hunter... And this just into the 11 hour news desk. The Dalai Lama enters rehab. Yeah, he, I mean, come on, he did tell a minor to suck his tongue. And he also told a, uh, also told a television critic to kiss my ass. Or better yet, let your eight year old son kiss my ass, he told that critic. And by the way, who knew he was a Catholic priest in disguise? With the emphasis on cat lick, as we pronounce it in Brooklyn. What do you think? Is the Dalai Lama going to come out as trans next, huh? You know, speaking of, kind of, when I was a kid, the Battle of the Bulge, that was my favorite World War II movie. And today... It's Dylan Mulvaney's biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that you're listening to the QWBCQ. Yeah, come on, Dylan. Yeah, that's what gaffs are for. They they hold all you know. They hold those uh, those three pieces in place. See, I'm I'm I'm, I'm making a mistake again. That, that's what those gaffs are for, Miss. You know, I, I, I'm trying not to misgender him. Last show, I misgendered uh, Dylan many, many times because I'm still not quite sure. I don't believe in my heart of hearts as if my heart has an additional one in there somewhere. 
that might explain how you know, I've been putting on weight. Uh, I mean, I realize Dylan's had uh, has facial surgery, and the surgery makes makes him uh, makes her look more like a her. So I guess Dylan really is trans, but I'm still not sure. But uh, again, I'm not trying to misgender him. Uh, I'll, I'll not misgender him ever again. Maybe I'm trying, and Dylan's doing okay for his herself. Matter of fact, Dylan's got a new product line. He's got a new one to endorse like every other day, it seems. I mean, what was it? Bud Light, then Nike, uh, tampons for God's sakes. And now, now, Dylan Mulvaney is appearing on boxes of pancake mix with a rag, <laughs> with a rag tied around his head. Yes, he, uh, she is the new spokeswoman for a new brand of pancake mix. Yes, it's Trans Jemima. <laughs> Okay, I'm not proud of that line. I'm, I'm not proud of much of anything these days, I must admit. But corporate America is fully online with DEI. Yeah, if they would have called the DIE... That would have left them open. There's so many problems. Yes. Of course, I'm referring to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there's nothing at all wrong with trying to consider those things. Particularly, you know, uh, regarding how a company chooses its employees. It's kind of nice to take those things into consideration. But of course, many of those to my right always dismiss those attempts as being woke. They're woke as if being asleep to those issues is some kind of solution. To me, it's a dereliction of, of a corporation's duty to their employees. If if not, well, if not just showing a blatant disregard for trying to be fair in the way people treat other people. That doesn't seem onerous to me. Although, even country music is going somewhat, well, some people would say country music is going more and more woke. Indeed, George Strait is back on the charts. Yes, he's back on the charts with a new song entitled, All My Exes Change Their Sexes. Perhaps he should grab a beer, a bulge beer. Bud Light, Shitsumi Breweries, is introducing the first light beer brewed especially for gay men and trans men. We're introducing Bulge Light. Brewed with only the finest and gaudiest of hops and barley, Bulge has that in-your-face taste other light beers cannot equal. Yes, normalize the Bulge. Normalize the Bulge. And pop a top or a bottom and really satisfy your thirst. Bulge beer goes down easy, just like many of those who drink it. Transition from ordinary beer to the beer with something extra. Real beer taste in our case. Just pour one and look at that great head, telling you just how tasty your bulge will be. So crack open one. Bulge, available in specially priced rainbow colored three-piece sets or uh, cartons. Don't dick around with piss cis beers. Grab a hold of a bulge. Just go straight uh, to wherever you buy beer, that is, and ask for a bulge. We are normalizing the bulge. It's bulge beer, 
And of course, it only comes in a can. So be proud to be gay and have a bulge today and every day. Oops, he's got one. Bulge Light. Normalize the bulge. Bulge Light Beer, another ridiculous product of Shitsumi Breweries, Sister in Falls, Missouri. Not only should I not only should I apologize for the headlines before the bits. And now, more of John P. Lightning. R&I stands for Radio New York International. I stand for truth, justice, and anything that can get me laid, make me money, or deliver to me the best quality weed that's available out there. Now, my, my weed pally, my, uh, my, my, my friend Jeff that, uh, that gets medical marijuana, told me that he recently encountered some weed that had a 40% THC content. Or am I glad I've only cut back and not cut out on weed after after uh, after hearing about that stuff? Because occasionally when he stops by, he brings me some, and I and I, I attempt I attempt to get me uh, I, I attempt him to get me to uh, leave me some. I don't, and I, I'm beginning to sound like I am stoned. Maybe that's the problem. I've only been stoned three times this year. Maybe I need to normalize the stoner in me. I did that some years ago. Hey, I am John P. Lightning reminding you that coming up in the last hour of the show, you know, is the extravaganza. Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov, whose YouTube channel, The Microphone Assassin, it is a YouTube channel you will subscribe to. And uh, if there's any way of letting him know that you subscribe because of me, also be sure to do that because uh, then uh, maybe he'll take pity on me and sometime in the future make one or three more promos for my show. No, of course, that's not the reason I want you to do it. I want you to do it because I need a couple more promos. And because Mark is good and entertaining. And if you're a, if you're a microphone slut, uh, that channel is for you. And even if you're not, you'll enjoy the interview because Mark is just a, a very, very interesting, amusing, and odd kind of a fellow. And he's got some stories to tell, and he will be telling them here for you on the queue. Johnny Lightning! You what? Absolutely, friggin' lootly. <laughs> That's me, yeah, no doubt about it. I am John P. Lightning, and you are tuned to. Well, maybe you're not tuned to, but you're listening to a little bit of everything. Radio Extravaganza. Let's see, have I played this? Uh, have I played this jingle yet tonight? Uh, who gives a fuck? Uh, we'll play it. Anyway. Eleven Well, so many emails coming in tonight that it's a good thing I didn't even bother to check them. Testing, one, two, is this thing on? Is anybody listening? Sometimes I wonder. Hey, doesn't matter. As good a show as you can give them, they still won't respond to them. And uh, Craig has checked in. Hey, uh, good good, good to hear from the doc. Uh, it's, it's been a while, and let's see what he has to say. I'm offended when someone states to me, how did your day go? <laughs> Yeah, that's another one. I, I, I prefer, you know, using the terms Guinea Goomba Greaseball, you know, uh, terms like that that are used to describe persons such as I, the lightning guy, and other folks of that, uh, that there Italian extraction. Well, I'm glad you're listening to the show that you know is the little bit of everything Radio Extravaganza, because if you weren't listening, if you were not listening to this show, mm, then what, what the, what the hell would my, 
What would my reason for being here actually be? And I do mean actually be. Well, I did state I was going to talk about Don Lemon uh, because uh, he got squeezed uh, out of CNN. Uh, Well, he had been uncomfortably installed as part of CNN's morning team where he really did seem to be a bad fit. He was working with female co-hosts and uh, he's raised their ire. Uh, well, he seemed to be a bit of a misogynist. And uh, CNN management uh, got a little annoyed with him when he made a somewhat sexist, uh, even misogynistic comment about uh, when a woman is in her prime. Uh, he, he was talking about some politician. Well, you know, she's no longer in her prime. And he was working with two female co-hosts that morning and they were like, what? What do you mean? What do you, what, are, are they too old? That means they're not in their prime because uh, they're too old? Because basically he was insinuating that a woman much beyond her mid-40s is, I don't know, not quite viable on some level. And uh, needless to say, so I will, his comment did not go over well with his co-host. Now, Don has long been known to not particularly be a fan of or comfortable working with women. Whether or not his being gay plays into that, I don't know, but uh, I'm speculating. But I guess it's about a week ago now, uh, came up a rather contentious, really contentious interview. Uh, an interview uh, with this doesn't have a chance Republican candidate for, uh, for his party's 2024 nomination, an Indian American by the name of Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think I screwed up pronouncing his name that badly. Nonetheless, uh, Vivek uh, was a guest, and Don did what he did so well in his brief tenure in AM Drive, which was take control of the show and the narrative, leaving his female co-host that morning almost no room to question Mr. Ramaswamy. And the exchange between them, all right, it was, uh, it, it, it was tough. It was hard. It was good television. Really good television. Uh, it was the type of back and forth that scares guests, however. It will scare guests who may find themselves facing off against a hostile Don Lemon. Uh, you know, and it will scare them to the point at which they likely are not going to want to appear on the morning show and perhaps not even appear on CNN in general because they've been questioned harshly or, or because the likes of Don Lemon has demanded the truth from them. And yeah, Don was as typically full of himself, uh, self, and he put the knife into his own neck with his bitchy banter uh, with the going nowhere in the Republican Party, Mr. Ramaswamy. And uh, here's some of the audio so you can be the judge. With due respect, I find, I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today, compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was black part people, of the way Hang on, please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that, that black people... Right, say, wait, say wait, 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 can, 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 black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. Can we back that up or just stop that? You see, you made a comment there about you people in my ear. meaning the folks in the control room, his producer, probably was realizing that the interview was going bad and going bad for Don and were likely attempting to rein him in. Didn't work. Black people, say say what you said again. 
Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after the no, Second Amendment rights right. were secured. They were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War. And that things turned around. People were, tried to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know how they the got Civil it? War they got their Second Amendment rights, and they actually got, the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down huh? the line, the NRA did the, not play a big role. They train black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie. That's not. The NRA did not play a big role. This is just historical fact. But not historical fact. The part that I find because you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have gone through civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's where you and I have the freedoms that black and white that black people don't have in this country, and that black people do have. Well, here's where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to. Express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate without me regarding views, you as a black man. Insulting that but you're me regarding here, you as a fellow citizen. That you're That's sitting what I think here, whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm what it's like to be black. Whatever ethnicity I'm, I'm I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate. The content of the ideas. Do it. You should do it in an honest way and in a I fair way. And what you're doing is not an honest and fair way. Okay. We appreciate you coming on. With due respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. The conversation. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, Papa. We'll talk about China. Yes, let's talk about China. Time you come back. Oh, thank you. Much to say on declaring independence from China. Okay, something you can, can move on now, please. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's move on now. Still, he's trying to take control of the situation. Uh, his co-host said, uh, "What? Uh, five or six words?" Oh man, Don. I, I mean, he definitely hijacked the interview, and uh, apparently that was it. That was uh, last straw time. Hey, orange straws out, Lord. And uh, CNN got rid of the lemon that they could not make lemonade out of. Huh? In the past, I have called Don Lemon milk toast, bland. Although on occasion, he was capable of the, the, the occasional fiery rant, but not often enough. Not often enough. And uh, when he did get fired last week, his getting fired up is what got him fired. But no great loss to CNN or cable news. So, uh, well, uh, no doubt we'll see him soon. Probably on News Nation. <laughs> probably be on that cistern of a station. He and Chris Como will hook up again. They could do shows back-to-back again, blowing each other with the type of, I love you, you're the best blowjobs that they were regularly giving each other uh, during the handoff on CNN, which uh, wasn't making for great radio. Or, and so, well, certainly made for, well, wasn't making for great television. And it definitely didn't make for great radio. You asshole, John P. Lightning. Yes, I am the asshole. You know it's John P. Lightning talking to you on the QWBCQ. And uh, your input is barely affecting the show this evening. And that is uh, probably for the better. One other person I want to talk about that uh, most people are ignoring. But uh, I I found it interesting. Uh, In the I ain't taking your shit department this week. Zooey Zephyr. Who? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, given name, no doubt. Zoe Zephyr, a Democratic representative from Montana, got herself banned from being allowed in the legislative chamber in Montana last week after she told some of her colleagues who are a tad recalcitrant about offering health-affirming care rights to trans individuals. Uh, she said that they have, and I am quoting, blood on their hands. To me, that makes her a hero in my little black book. 
Now, Zui is trans, so no surprise that those Republicans in Montana who view people such as her as abominations, they would not pass, although Zui pretty well passes, uh, they would not pass, not even consider, life-affirming health care provisions for trans people. Indeed, the motherfuckers passed a bill outlawing such care because, well, because, you know, they don't care. And, uh, and Zoe has seen the effects of this lack of concern upon trans people in her community in the state, uh, including at least one person who took her life because of the Neanderthals running things in Montana. The scum in an organization in that state named the Montana Freedom Caucus. Why is it that organizations that are anti-freedom always put that word into their name? (laughs) We know why. Freedom Caucus. Cracker, please. Cracker, please. They issued a statement. First of all, it misgendered Zephyr and was calling for his censure. And yeah, that censure came. So she cannot participate in any legislative affairs in the legislative chamber for the remainder of the current session. Now, that means she can still vote, but only remotely. Meaning her voice in that chamber has been silenced. Silenced in much the same way as uh, two of the Tennessee Three had their voices censured and ignored. And Zoe's righteously pissed. And she is, of course, the only trans legislator in Montana and is also, oh man, oh, everything's against her. Uh, she's bisexual, which I only mention because you know, you just know that those faux Christian Republican scumbags also hold that against her and want to silence the voice of a loud, proud trans woman, someone they do not even wish to address as a woman. To which I can only say, fuck you, to each Montana legislator unable to deal with trans women. And for many of them, they probably have a problem. <laughs> they probably have a problem getting along with genetic women, too. Well, uh, here's a, 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 another brief excerpt of, well, this is essentially what she said that, uh, that got her banned. Uh, here's the remarks she made that, uh, that got her suspended. From, uh, from at least some of her legislative duties. It is my honor today, as with every day in this body, to rise on behalf of my constituents in House District 100 from Missoula, Montana, who elected me to be their representative in the People's House. Today, I rise in defense of those constituents, of my community, and of democracy itself. Last week, I spoke on the governor's amendments to Senate Bill 99, which banned gender-affirming care. This was a bill that was one of many targeting the LGBTQ community in Montana. This legislature has systematically attacked that community. We have seen bills targeting our art forms, our books, our history, and our health care. And I rose up in defense of my community that day, speaking to harms that these bills bring and that I have firsthand experience knowing about. I have had friends who have taken their lives because of these bills. I have fielded calls from families in Montana, including one family whose trans teenager attempted to take her life while watching a hearing 
on one of the anti-trans bills. And in that hearing, our caucus pleaded with the Republican chair of the Judiciary Committee to not allow certain testimony to keep decorum. And we were told a lot of people have a lot of opinions on these things. So when I rose up and said, there is blood on your hands, I was not being hyperbolic. That is for certain. And uh, the actual statement she made uh, is, uh, is as follows. If you disallow the use of the medical care that is accepted by every major medical association, if you disallow that care and don't allow people to, to have access to that, the only therapy left is either A, meaningless, or B, conversion therapy, which is torture. If you are forcing a trans child to go through puberty when they are trans, that is tantamount to torture. And this body should be ashamed. And if you vote yes on this amendment, and yes on this bill, if you vote yes on this bill, and yes on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation, when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. And that's what ultimately got her banned. Yeah. Zoe wasn't very nice. And apparently, the rules and the, uh, I guess, the, the bylaws uh, covering uh, legislators' conduct in the chamber did allow for her temporary expulsion. But have these Republican assholes learned nothing? Yes, yes, they've learned nothing. Because after the events in Tennessee, one might have thought, that these repugs would have been wise enough to not turn her into a celebrity for trans rights causes. I, you know, a couple of days ago, I'd never heard of Zoe Zephyr, uh, the name she chose for herself. But they are repugs, so they're not all that smart. And they gave her a platform and prominence she formerly lacked. So perhaps, perhaps Zoe should be grateful to those bigots. And by the way, by the way, I did wonder, as you still may, who she is, where she came from, and probably more importantly to a whack job like me, is Zephyr was her parents' actual last name. Well, no. Uh, Zephyr was born Zachary Rausch, uh, R-A-A-S-C-H, I guess it's Rausch, in, uh, in Billings, Montana. Uh, grew up there and uh, also grew up in part in Washington State, where he was a championship high school wrestler, which I found hard to believe uh, looking at Zoe because Zoe's very thin and feminine looking. But uh, after she transitioned, her parents disowned her. Yeah, more good Christians, I bet. There was no Zoe Zephyr until 2019. Uh, when after several months of taking hormones and uh, having bottom surgery, she finally fully publicly transitioned. And then she got involved in local politics and decided to take a stand for trans rights in a state, uh, you know, is not known for liberal politics overall. But fortunately for her, she was running for office in one of Montana's few blue counties and she got herself elected. And uh, there's much more to tell, but there's really insufficient time for me to do it this show. But I'm relatively sure we'll be hearing from this formerly unknown legislator from Montana in the future. And if her time in the spotlight lights the way for equal rights, equal rights for all trans individuals, well then, pal, her hero status will have been affirmed. And she will surely 
continue to fight. No doubt about that. She will continue to fight, I'm sure, both in Montana and beyond. So good luck to you, Zoe. If those repugs can't take a trans woman seriously, fuck them. That's what I say. Fuck them. And uh, let me see. Should I uh, do this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I have to. You know, I've stated in the past, whenever I hear the term uh, reverse racism used, that is bullshit. Because there's no such thing as reverse racism. No matter who's engaging in it, it's just racism. Well, not according to deadbeat Donald. To stop the local Marxist prosecutors who release rapists and murderers while persecuting conservatives, on day one of my new administration, I will direct the DOJ to investigate every radical DA and attorney general in America for their illegal, racist, in reverse enforcement of the law. What does that mean? I mean, yeah, what, what a... Uh, what. What a total hater in so many ways. The guy that talks about two N-words, talking about reverse racism, a form of racism that does not exist. But as usual, it's all he's got. And everything he states, it's all projection. For example, the, the way in which he's been laying into Jack Smith and his family as Trump haters, and there's no record of, of them in any way publicly hating on the former guy, and yet he continues. He continues his dissembling. Have a right to declassify and did absolutely nothing wrong, but was purposely given by the DOJ and Biden, a Trump-hating prosecutor, Jack Smith. Huh. He's a Trump-hater. His wife's a Trump-hater. His family's a Trump-hater. They all hate Trump. They, they hate, hate him with a passion. They'll do anything they can to hurt Trump. But he's a harasser and an abuser of our people in order to obstruct and interfere with the 2020 presidential election. That's why they're doing it. We're leading by a lot in the polls. A if lot. I weren't, I believe it would all stop. Oh, but that's oh, not going to happen. Always leading by the a lot. The public will not stand for this unequal treatment. Joe Biden is guilty. I am not at all. Thank you very much. The public will not stand for a translation. Rise up. Rise up again. Do it again. We need another insurrection, and this time we need a better insurrection. Scum. Low life. The best words I can use to describe this worst person in the world. Alongside of Marjorie Taylor Greene, they fight it out every fucking day. And uh, Ted finally checked in to do nothing more than send along an audio link which he states is Jim Norton, uh, a comedian whose work I have enjoyed for some time now. Uh, Jim Norton uh, talking about uh, Dylan Mulvaney and, uh, and the Bud Brouhaha. So uh, I guess I have to play it and then the top of the hour and our, our pally mark, okay? I would say, no, I like trans girls, hate influencers, so I'm kind of caught in the middle here. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not big on Dylan, but I, I think this, it's such a funny story to me how mad people are. Like, this is not, it, it, this is a product that makes you pee your pants and drive the wrong way on the highway. <laughs> and people are so upset. And I don't think they're marketing against people. They're just trying to market to other people. And I think that that woman made a mistake when she acted holier than thou and criticized the, uh, the fratty humor. She should have just said, well, yeah, we want young trans people to drink this product. 
My identity is not wrapped up in who else drinks a beverage I drink. Yeah. Uh, like, I like Diet Coke. I wouldn't care if Hitler was on the can. I would drink <laughs> Diet Coke. He was high-fiving Bin Laden. I'd be like, I'd like a Diet Coke, please. And I'd brush the little mustache hairs off it, and I would enjoy <laughs> Diet Coke. My identity is not tied in with other people who enjoy a beverage I enjoy. I have to say, though, you said something that no one else has said, and it totally, it, it's the answer to everything. It's not about trans. It's about influencers. There's not a single likable influencer. It yeah. changes people by making them hyperdramatic, and so you can't like them. Even, it doesn't matter who it is. You just can't stand them. Well, you don't have to, everything trans has to be campy. Like, yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to be like, I'm a lady. Like, how about, <laughs> like, show Laverne Cox. Laverne yeah. Cox with Trace Lizette just drinking a Bud Light. Like, that's yeah. a perfectly fine ad. Yeah. But they have to make everything campy and over the top, and it becomes irritating. I still love Jim Norton. Radio New York International. At 6.130 megahertz, WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, America. Canada. This show is for mature audiences only. If you're easily offended, go fuck yourself. On the phone, because he's thousands of miles away from the 11L facility, and it's the only way to kind of have him here, voiceover specialist, author, radio and TV host, and now the proprietor, oh my goodness, of the Microphone Assassin Channel, which you will subscribe to on the penalty of having to re-listen to every show I've ever done a dozen times, minimum. Star of YouTube Microphone Madness, Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov, whose voice you just heard at the end of that Gwyn sound jingle we just played. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening. How you doing, man? Ah, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I give a fuck. Okay, that, thank you. I have you. fucks to give. Oh, all right, well, you're, you're the only one. Uh, me, you get a fuck, and you get a fuck, <laughs> and you get a fuck. I'd, I'd give out fucks, but if I could sell them, can, can, can fucks be turned into NFTs, and I can make a living doing this <laughs> finally, somehow, someway? Non-fuckable tokens. <laughs> See, and then it's a non-fuckable token. Yeah. Who wants that? <laughs> I'm derailing this interview already. I do it every... F- <laughs> it's totally off the rails. So. I do it every fucking time. So uh, where are you chatting with us from? I am in Los Angeles, California, otherwise known as uh, Planet Siliconia. So. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to... I'm, I'm going to allow you to pretty much explain who you are and what you do and what you've done and all that before I ask all kinds of silly questions. I came across you actually because I was searching on YouTube to see if anybody reviewed this microphone I use, this Norman microphone that I use and pretty much nobody else in the broadcast industry uses. And I found one of your, one of your videos and I was like, hey, this guy sounds interesting. He's got a great voice and I probably couldn't afford to ever hire him. And then, I, then uh, that's when I reached out to you and I was looking at your resume, your online resume that went on about, well, I'll list some of the uh, people you've done work for. GE, MasterCard, AT&T, Disneyland, Lowe's, Uber, Ford, Coca-Cola, Cherry Coke commercials, my favorite, <laughs> McDonald's, Mercedes-Benz, Toyota, Miller, Coors, Miller, oh my goodness, uh, hopefully not Bud Light unless you like controversy. Facebook, I love controversy. Facebook, CBS Radio, and uh, dozens more unknown companies and products. And uh, I'm just wondering, totally not the first question I should be asking, but uh, sure. you know, when, you're, when you're auditioning 
for uh, for corporations like that. Uh, what is the what is the audition process like for uh, getting those VO jobs? Well, you know, the funny thing is, a, a lot of those jobs I got booked directly through an agency uh, mm-hmm. based upon a demo. So, um, but when you audition for stuff, you know, basically, you go in and you try to you try to understand what the what the script is all about, and you try to give it the right feeling. And then you record it like I'm like I am like I'm sitting in my booth right now. I'm sitting in my recording environment. So I will I will cut the spot and whether it's uh, whether it's a quick little narration or it's just maybe a four second uh, tag at the end of a commercial. You, you got to give it everything you got and you send it in and you hope for the best. And if you hear nothing, you didn't get it. So it's not a situation where you record it and you know they're going to use it. They ultimately might decide no. Ninety, I would say 90% of what I do are bookings. So I do bookings every day. I mean, you know, after you do it for a while, you kind of get into a routine. You find where the good fishing holes are and you keep <laughs> them a secret from everybody else. And... Uh, so, you know, and, and once, once, clients, uh, once clients start to trust you with the process, um, you know, and, and they like you, then you just, the work comes in. I've done stuff where I've been booked on jobs and been paid for jobs that haven't been used. Hmm. You know, like, it's heartbreaking when you do a commercial and you do it and it, you get paid for it and everything like that. And then when the commercial comes out, it's somebody else's voice on it, like a completely <laughs> different voice, not even like a voice type like mine. But, you know, somewhere along the creative process, someone said, oh, we don't want this uh, guy that sounds like a, a young adult or a young middle-aged dude. We want, we want uh, you know, we want a young woman. We want a millennial-aged uh, woman with two dogs and, uh, you know, some kind <laughs> of uh, speech impediment. I mean, you know, they're like very, sometimes they get very particular. It's like sometimes they'll be like, we want you to fry the, the end of each sentence. And I'm like, I don't talk like that. And they're like, oh, well, then sorry. You know, so it gets very particular. And sometimes even when you book the job, they still don't use it. But as long as I get paid, I, I'm, I'm, I really don't care. I, yeah. uh, I, I always get booked when somebody needs a rich, thick Brooklyn accent. Otherwise, you know, so uh, so I get a job once every couple of years. <laughs> you, you nailed that, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a good day, how many of these jobs uh, might you have uh, lined up? The most... Uh, uh, we had a brief conversation before this interview started, and yes. I, had to, I had to stop it. For everyone out there, I had to actually stop it because I had a bunch of uh, Allstate tags come in. I do, I do tags for Allstate. And so I had 14 of them come in that I had to knock out in about 10 minutes. And so uh, the most busy day I ever had was 104 Allstate tags. They're four seconds long. <laughs> And I had to turn and burn these things in, in about three hours. It's like, it's okay, I've done like 20, 30 at a time. But 104 in one day was the most, and it, it, was, it, was, it was tough. You know, you would think that, that saying a different sentence over and over again, a similar four-second long sentence, ten words over and over and over and over <laughs> again, would just get easier and easier and easier. But as it drags on, after you get like to number 80, you're just like, oh, come on, how many more? How many more? And all you can think about is trying to get to the finish line. The thing is, what I love about this job is every day is different. And I really, I generally have uh, no idea what is going to happen until I wake up and I open my email and I see what's there mm-hmm. in voiceover, right? It really, what you've done before, it, it doesn't matter as much. It's like it's not really a, a meritocracy. Why is that? Based upon... Because it's really based upon what you can do today. 
And the thing is, all that past work is great experience that gives you all the, all, all the life lessons you need to learn to go into the battle that is voiceover <laughs> and, and really face it uh, with the right point of view. You know, it's like not being, not being nervous about it, knowing what, what the client wants. These are all just factors of experience that you bring to it. So it really, every day is, is, is different because, you know, every day could be the last day you do that job. Oh, That's the crazy thing about it. So, Do you do any, any research uh, when, say, for example, you, you hook up with a, with a major corporate client? Do you research the product and try and get in your mind some idea of how they might want you to do a read? You know, some, a lot of times, like, clients will give you a reference. If you, if you can recall, like, maybe about, like, television, the way commercials kind of changed about 10 years ago, John Krasinski from The Office was doing a bunch of insurance commercials, and they were a little bit snarky and very conversational as opposed to being very announcery. you right. know? He was talking to you like you're, you're like a best friend as opposed to, like, talking at you like an announcer. And it changed the, the whole landscape of voiceover entirely. And likely and for, for the better. Yeah, well, exactly for the better. And for, for a couple of years, it was like almost every other voiceover project came with a reference that was a, a link to click on that took you to a YouTube page with an insurance commercial with John Krasinski on it. Hmm. And so, you know, clients will, will throw you uh, examples of what they want, or they'll point to something in your own demo that they heard that they liked. But it is it is rare if ever that i would ever get a chance to try the product <laughs> so most of the time you have to kind of imagine what the product is and sometimes it's it really doesn't matter like if you do a character voice <laughs> like m- many years ago i did do a hillbilly character voice for some companies some like pepsi or one of those big major uh you know food brands junk food brands was coming out with their version of a slim jim because there is not enough of that processed death meat out there the branding on it was kind of like uh this is like old timey you know meat stick product from west virginia like it (laughs) like it originated in the mountains of somewhere they had me do like a full-on like cartoony hillbilly voice for it and it's like Sometimes you got to keep your belly from a growling. And, uh, <laughs> and so, of course, it's like I'm, I'm not running out to try this. But I have to kind of imagine in my mind from childhood that slimy meat taste of Slim Jim and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I want when I stop to fill up my tank <laughs> at the Mini Mart. So you also do uh, character voices, I've read. I do a fair amount of character voices. You know, the thing is, most of, most of my work is commercials. And, and now, again, uh, it's... A lot of it is just conversational work, you know, just really my own voice, not really doing a voice. Sometimes I'll get booked to do a, a character voice for a commercial. Uh, a lot of times, more, more often than not, it's a dog. It's a talking dog. What? And, you know, it'll be like, my master's really, I can't wait for my master to come home. I'm so excited. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's, uh, it's fun. Um, and I got, I got a chance. I actually, I actually got cast uh, in an animated pilot. So I really got a, I got a chance to do some real acting because when you're doing that, right, even though you're like playing a character within a 30 second commercial, 
and you're being this dog, and you're like, wow, I really want to take a walk right now, you know? <laughs> there, there's, there's only a minimal amount of acting when, you, when you're doing that within a 30-second commercial, and each one of your lines has to really just be kind of like almost pedal to the metal. You have to really emphasize and overemphasize everything. I read that you, uh, you worked uh, in radio. Oh, yeah. Mark, what did you do in radio? Uh, did radio in some way act as a, like a gateway drug to doing voiceover work? Oh, well, okay, so this is what happened. This is actually pretty funny. Let me go back to 2005. I read a Macworld article about how to start a podcast, a new thing called a podcast, in 2005, <laughs> pretty much right around now, right around May. I'm like, oh, this is a cool idea. And I just, I just had a book out, and I was like, I, I got to figure out a way to promote this. Maybe a podcast would work. So I record this thing really quickly, and I put it up on like a blogger, you know, the Google's old blogger uh, platform. And I put it up on a page. And within 24 hours, I get an email from a guy from New Zealand. And not just in New Zealand, but who lives on an island off of New Zealand. So you're talking about somebody on a remote part of the planet, completely half a planet away. And he's like, oh, I heard your show. It was really funny and all that. And I was like, oh, my God, you could really reach people doing this? (laughs) So, I, so I'm doing this podcast, which I ended up doing in my car, because at this point, I'm working for a TV music company. I'm a VP at a TV music company that's in Venice Beach, California. So my commute is a pain in the ass. You know, driving in L.A. sucks. I'd start this podcast, which originates really mostly as me yelling at other drivers <laughs> as I'm driving, which happens a lot, right? And so it was almost like therapeutic, because here I was, like, I'm going to record myself, like, hey! idiot turn signal what the fuck you know there was a lot of that and then i'm ranting about these people and it just kind of evolved into a show that i'm doing in my car with a headset mic into like a handheld mp3 recorder and so long story short this gets picked up by a podcast uh a podcast network at the time called pod show and Podshow was created by XMTV VJ Adam Curry. And so Adam Curry becomes a fan of my show. And then Podshow signs a deal with Sirius, uh, with Sirius Satellite Radio. And they're going to do a programming block. So I end up in this programming block, in this four-hour programming block, in the show right after Adam Curry's show. And so we're on Sirius Satellite Radio on, on what was at the time Channel 102 Stars or something. We're on Sirius Stars um, five days a week. So I'm on, I'm on in drive time in morning and at night uh, on Sirius. And we did that for like two years before um, Podshow uh, screwed up the deal. Think about this. This is 2005, 2006, 2007, right? Most people had never even heard a podcast. This is when you had to listen to your fucking podcast on, a, on an iPod. Yes. You couldn't, you couldn't download it onto your phone. That shit didn't exist yet. You had to be a total computer geek and figure out how to get these things on your thing. And then finally iTunes came aboard and it really blew up from there. And they basically, they had, they had, um, they had raised venture capital funding over $30 million dollars. Um, back before it was video. And then when video started, of course, you know, video is fucking expensive. And, um, and all, of the, all of the money that it took to pay to, to cover the servers, the servers were too expensive. They weren't planning on it. And then you have to build like a co-location for your servers in case your servers go down. And 
uh, they just ran out of money. And so they, they, they really just kind of, uh, they, they screwed up the deal because they ran out of money and they weren't paying attention to what was going on. It's serious. You know, I was, I was an early, I was an early adopter. I was part of this company early on. And then I got hired to be an executive at the company, a development executive at the company. So there were a bunch of people who were there when I started and then they would disappear. Like all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, hey, Richard is gone. Why is Richard gone? Oh, uh, he just left. He's gone. You know, and then I find out later, like, you know, oh, yeah, they, they let me go, but I can't say anything. So, I mean, the way the whole thing was run, it was just, it was, it was just stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing. It sounds, but, like, sounds like most every broadcast venture I've ever been involved it, in. Ex- yes, exactly. It was run as poorly as, <laughs> I mean, to its own credit, it was run as poorly as any major broadcast corporation. So. <laughs> now, people are going to wonder, I guess, maybe, perhaps, who the fuck knows, mm. uh, because I yeah. often wonder, how, how does one become a voiceover guy. Not that you probably want to share this information because there's so much competition, but really, what what made you decide, you know what, I know what I want to do for a living. I'm, I'm going to take my instrument into, into some tiny little hot boot, and I'm going to talk into microphones for a living. Or did it start out as a sideline, or did you realize, hey, this could be profitable and enjoyable? So what happens is, so I do, I do this podcast thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm developing podcasts, I'm creating podcasts, and... I, I basically, I created, I created like well over a thousand episodes of content and, you know, with myself on the microphone and all that. And in the beginning, I didn't even like talking in the microphone. It took me, this is no shit. I would do this show five days a week. It took me 125 episodes to get comfortable on the microphone. Hmm. And once I got comfortable on the microphone, that was it. You know, I was, I was addicted to it. Eventually, I started doing a video show. Uh, and the video show takes off, and I get cast on a TV pilot uh, for this um, by the, the, the showrunners, the people who created Judge Judy are behind this thing. And I'm, I'm like, and I get cast to be a host on it. And so I'm working on this show. We do about four episodes and then uh, before it all blows up. And at some point, I'm talking to one of the producers, and we had to do a VO for... For something it was like a an ntag vo for the show and i'm like you know what i'll do it I've, i have a rig at home i'll do it so i do it and they're like oh you did a great job and so i'm talking to this producer and the producer was like hey um if you if you ever want to get into voiceover let me know and i'm like okay then and i and i have to preface this by saying that there was there's something else that 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 happened beforehand and it all just kind of comes together so when i'm podcasting one of my big gets was Don LaFontaine, wow. the Don LaFontaine, well, right? One, I mean, one of the name greats, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, the guy who invented the movie trailer, right? <laughs> yes. So I end up, I hired Don to do a couple of voiceovers for me. He does a couple of, he did a couple of trailer voice reads for a couple of my books, for trailers for my books. And I got to be pals with Don. And I would joke around with Don. And I remember saying to him, man, I would love to do what you do. Um done. I mean, being a voiceover artist, that's the coolest thing ever. And he just, he just says to me, just calm as day. He's like, Mark, you could absolutely do what I do. And it just blew my mind. I just couldn't even wrap my head around it. And I wasn't even sure if he was serious or not. And as I thought about it, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. So Don passes away a couple years later. And then, then at this point, like a year after that, I'm on this TV show. And when this producer said that, all I could hear in my head was Don saying to me, Mark, you could totally do this. So I get hooked up with an agent, and then from there, like, I start auditioning for stuff, and then I get uh, picked up by another online agency, 
And um, I booked like the first thing I auditioned for. And then it's just been like since that moment, like 10 straight years of just like working every day in the booth. It has been nuts. You know, I snuck in through the back door and, and I have a lot of I have a lot of different skill sets. I have a degree in music production. I've done a lot of music production. I've recorded a lot of music. I've recorded a lot of stuff. Um, I have a lot. Of, I have a writing background. I have a marketing background. Uh, you know, so I have a broadcasting background. So it all kind of dovetailed together into this one thing that seems to be the thing that I'm supposed to be doing with the rest of my life. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your little bio here again, and uh, I'm reading and I'm reading it because I, I agree with it and I kind of understand. Uh, it states as follows: My naturally dynamic, friendly, warm, versatile, and this I think is key, conversational voice is perfect for any commercial project or narration and telling the story of your brand. And again, Mark, I think the conversational part is probably key because. Uh, as you alluded to a little earlier, uh, some VO guys sound like, you know, like I'm a VO guy, or they sound like yeah. they're reading, or they go for that phony FM radio voice. And for my taste, rarely does that convey any real emotion. Somehow, to me, it seems dishonest. And the way you do your reads, you make uh, whoever or whatever brand you are doing a read for sound like it's someone or something you want to buy or you want to listen to. And that's a hard-to-define skill, Pally. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, it's, it, you know what it is? I, I love what I'm doing so much that even if I know nothing about the product, I, I feel like the passion of, of my work right. comes through. I remember... I remember um, I, think, I think it was... Uh, I can't remember her name. I think it's Michelle Disney. And she's actually like a Disney heir. She's, mm -hmm. uh, she's a voiceover person. She does a lot of animated work. And she was talking about um, having to do a, a burger commercial. And she's a vegetarian. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, you know, the, what, what you do is you just, you pretend you're biting into your favorite vegan burger. And you just pretend it's that thing. And you're just like, oh, this is so good. And so I try to, when I... When I don't know who the dentist is or the tire shop is that I'm doing a spot for, you know, I just imagine, like, this is a really great place. I know nothing about it, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm telling my best friend. Like, you know, I, I, always, I always picture, like, I'm, the audience is somebody who I'm sitting across the table at a bar, you know, and we're just shooting the shit. Right. And somebody says, hey, man, I got to fucking get some tires for my car. Where, where do I go? I mean, everybody rips you off. Oh, man, you got to go to Jake's Tires. Jake's got the best deal on tires this month. You try to be the helpful voice of reason. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think that that really comes through, and that's really, that's really what I think my wheelhouse is. Do you still do any radio work of any kind, or are you just now strictly doing commercial VOs? Uh, pretty much I'm doing commercial VOs and, and narrations. I don't do any radio work. I mean, I would, but um, it just hasn't presented itself to me. And, you know, a, a lot, what I really like about voiceover um, is, is that you don't have, you don't really have, um, you don't have a boss, you have a client, right. you know, and you make the client happy. And generally, like in any job, right, you're trying to make somebody happy and whether it's the boss or the boss's boss, there's some asshole in between who's trying to micromanage your bullshit. But of course. And radio, radio is full of that shit. Radio is full of all the little generals who need to, like, spray on the hydrant to show you that they're there. So what I, what I love about what I do is that I'm, I'm the boss. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm hard to work with. <laughs> I'm just saying I hate working with stupid people. Oh, and I so know. I've not... worked with stupid people for 40 or 50 years. So. I think we all have. I, think there, I, can't, I can't imagine there's one person out there on this planet who doesn't know what it's like to work with stupid people. Yeah, no, an so. asshole-free existence, and that's not possible, particularly yeah, in no. New York City. You have also authored a number of books, and, I, and I'm looking at that list on Amazon, and I'm like, fuck, I, I, you know, I've got 20, I'm backed up with 20 fucking books now I haven't read yet. So I'm thinking, <laughs> out of all the books you've written, if you had to recommend one or two, which ones would they be, Mark? I would say that there are two books that I'm probably known best for. Um, the first one is called Where's My Fucking Latte? And I, it's a bunch of stories <laughs> about what it's like to be an assistant in Hollywood. And being, a, being a, a personal assistant to a celebrity or an agent or some, you know, basically someone in the entertainment industry is, um, is, a, is a thankless, low-paid task where you give all of yourself and get very little in return except, you know, abuse. And hopefully an <laughs> opportunity, you know, will, will open up because of it. Like, if you've ever seen that Kevin Spacey movie, Swimming with Sharks, that is absolutely... 100% true. Like, the, what, what happens in that movie is the kind of shit that, that assistants deal with. So, back when I started with the, with the TV music company, I started as an assistant. And uh, I, had, I had a girlfriend who was an executive at Sony. And so, we would go and, you know, we'd go out somewhere and we'd end up at a party. And you would find all the people who were assistants would be somewhere right in a corner, like shooting shit and like, you know, talking trash about people and, and you know, what, what was the gossip? So it wasn't that hard to find other assistants because it was almost like, it was like, like your support group. And then when you talk to other assistants on the phone, because if you're an assistant, you call an exec and you get their assistant, right? And so you, you have to be friendly with everybody else's assistant because you have to get your boss's call through, you have to get shit done. So you get to know people. And after a while, you hear the stories, and the stories are just, they are insane. <laughs> and, I mean, the behavior of <laughs> what goes on behind the scenes, the abusive behavior, the, the completely off-the-wall behavior. <laughs> so it's not exactly what? fiction. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's basically a collection of stories that were told to me by other assistants. Right. And I, you know, I basically said, look, I'm not going to name names. Of course. I'm not going to name you. And um, so this book comes out. And this book came out a while ago. And uh, what happened after that? So uh, the, book, it, the book ends up getting me on, like, on TV and stuff, interviews and you know, Access Hollywood and, and uh, this e-network show and all this bullshit. And so the book gets kind of known around town. People start to know it. For the book, I found out that like pretty much you had to sign an NDA as an assistant now. You could not tell your story to anyone or you would just, you, you know, you'd lose your job at the very least. Well, of course, but I assume there's so, a way of telling your stories and covering your tracks so that nobody knows exactly precisely who you're talking about. Oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's the thing, you know, they're published, I, like everything in, in Latte is published as a blind item. Right. And even so, I got an, I got an email, actually twice, I got an email, and it could have been from the same person that was like, "You, you need to take this book out of print, <laughs> and, I'm, and or you're going to get sued." And my response was, "Go fuck yourself." Good, because I knew that you know, I honestly knew that first of all, that there was nothing that they could do. 
because I'm not naming names. I'm not, you know, there's, if this story was about you and you're upset about it, that's too fucking bad that I exposed your shitty behavior to the world. (laughs) And if you want to raise your hand and say, I'm going to sue you, then I'm going to deposition the fuck out of you. And you better believe that the things I'm going to ask you in your deposition are things that go way beyond the book. Because I've talked to your assistant, and I know exactly what you spend your money on. I know exactly where you buy your fucking double-ended dildo. I know exactly (laughs) where you go to buy Coke. So if you want to fucking depot me, bring it the fuck on. Paper tigers, like, come at you, and then they fold. When you basically say, you know what? I've done this completely legally. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'm, I'm envisioning some executive is like, you know, calling his lawyer. And his lawyer is like, really? <laughs> you wanted to make this public? What are you, an idiot? So Latte is very amusing <laughs> in regards to uh, basically putting forth the expose of terrible behavior of terrible people. Um, and then the other book I would recommend, especially since we're coming into summer uh, vacation season, is a book I wrote called Fatal Sunset. And that has to do with um, people who unfortunately go on vacation and don't come home. And there are a lot of stories about that shit. Well, people that just disappear? Well, people who disappear, people who die on vacation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, long story short, a lot of times when people go on vacation, you know, what I discovered, when people will go on vacation, especially when they go far away, you know, we'll go to some place completely, completely removed from their day-to-day life. They will take chances that they would never take at home. Hmm. You know, and a lot of times maybe it's because you've had too much to drink. Maybe you're just a little too confident of your abilities. But people will drown. People will, will, will end up in environments that are uh, hostile. Um, and so, you know, I, the, the underarching theme is like dare to be aware. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of shit that can happen to you on vacation that you don't think about. And especially, like, you go to other countries. You, you take a vacation in a foreign country. You can't expect the same laws that protect you here will protect you there. Right. I, I talked to this, um, this woman whose son died in a pool in Mexico, in a giant resort in Mexico. And just hearing her story was so heartbreaking. But, you know, I, I don't want to get into it, but it was stuff like... They, like, they left his body by the pool for, like, two hours. And then they put his body in a room, and then they charged them for it. They charged <laughs> the family for the room. Good heavens. And, I mean, it's just, it's just like, stuff like this that, I mean, and that, that's just the most minor stuff. You know, there's a lot of other egregious stuff and, and, and cover-ups and, you know, basically, like, on a cruise ship. Like, when you go on a cruise ship, right, you, when you sign your ticket, when you get on a cruise ship, you have to sign your ticket. When you sign your ticket, you're actually signing a, a contract that basically says that if anything happens, uh, that's kind of on you. And right. if you want to sue us, you're going to have to sue us in, like, Sardinia, where, <laughs> where our, our boat is flagged. And they always register these corporations, Carnival and all that. They're always registered in companies where it's very hard to sue a company. They, they stack the deck against you. So when people disappear on a cruise ship, when people die or get murdered on a cruise ship, you know, stuff gets covered up. Investigations don't take place. Crime scenes are basically not observed. There's really a, a lot of stuff that happens to people that we don't talk about. 
And um, that's kind of like, I kind of like that, you know, and that's kind of where I lean into with a lot of my uh, nonfiction work. Ah, fuck now, I got to get two more books. Damn, I'll, ne- <laughs> I'll never catch up. All right, now, before, before I get to the, to the real official stuff about the Microphone Assassin channel on YouTube, uh, which, once again, each and every one of you will visit frequently, daily, a pee-pause for John P. Lightning. And this reminder that you are listening to Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov, voiceover guy mostly these days, who foolishly has consented to join us this evening on the planet WBCQ. As part of your extravaganza. Your world sounds great from 11 Radio New York International. Pally. Hey, this is Robert W. Big Balls Boo Boo Daddy. Do you want an exciting career in the world of radio? Wait, 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 wait. Hold it. Can we have a copy change here? Thanks. Would you like an exciting life as an intern? Well, now you can with the Yenemsveld School of Intern Broadcasting. Just listen to this happy graduate. I get to do commercials and stuff? Here, listen to this. Yenemsveld School of Intern Broadcasting, you'll receive voice training from our highly skilled former on-air talent that can no longer find work. I was a major market radio talent for many years. Thanks to the Yenemsveld School of Intern Broadcasting, I can still sleep in my car. Join the Yenemsveld School of Intern Broadcasting as we redefine the English language. With the lightning guy, you're extravaganza. Today on TMZ. The President Obama campaigned for his economic recovery plan in Fort Myers, Florida. Last question. Oh, it's such a blessing to see you, Mr. President. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Oh, gracious God, thank you so much. You're going to school. What are you studying? I'm looking to study and majoring in communications, hopefully being a broadcaster or a disc jockey. That that's, uh, is unfortunate. <laughs> what a waste of money. Today on TMZ. It's radio for consenting adults. 11L RNI Radio New York International. On WBCQ, this is the planet. I am John P. Lightning, going to turn down the monitor. With the show you know is the Extravaganzo. And on the phone, the proprietor of the Microphone Assassin YouTube channel, Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov who mistakenly consented to do this interview with yours truly, and we will be discussing his channel. But first, Mark, I have to ask you about AI, because artificial intelligence and artificial voices are becoming a thing in the broadcasting industry. I've listened to uh, some of those AI voices, and yeah, it's getting really good. It's going to get a lot better, and I see it uh, potentially putting a lot of VO guys out of work, Mark. Oh, yeah. I I totally, I I believe that AI will destroy the VO industry. Mm. How long it's going to take, I don't know. Well, you know, I think the thing is you're going to see a lot of low-level stuff get eaten up by AI. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going and I think what happens in in the same thing that happened with this John Krasinski style, it like it became it became the predominant style in voiceover for like 2 years. And then people stopped doing it because it, it there was a repetitiveness to it that everyone was doing it. 
And I think what's going to happen is you will see an emergence of AI voices in, in commercials and stuff. It, and the thing is, I, even though it will evolve, I think there's still going to be a competitive edge for human voices, at least within the next three years. Oh, boy. And then what happens after that? And see, I, I look at AI, and I think that it's a threat and an opportunity. Because I look at it, and I'm like, how can I, how can I find an AI voices platform that I can play like a musical instrument? Like, I can input my voice and get the voice of, like, you know, uh, a child's voice or a woman's voice or, like, a, you know, an old lady's voice. I think can that's I available do- now. Right, it is, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah. I've seen and I played with some of the platforms, and the output that they give you still sounds uh, mechanical. So it sounds artificial, and um, I, and even even watching it over the last six or eight months, and even with the great advances in AI tech that you hear about on a near daily basis, what's happening in voice AI uh, hasn't really caught up with that, at least in that regard. You know, you you have this stuff now, like you have that fake AI Joe Rogan, you know, that's going around and, you know, it's like, oh, it sounds like Joe Rogan and all that. What is happening is stuff like that. You don't have to have the emotional impact, you know, doing a AI fake Joe Rogan that you have to do doing a 30 second commercial where you have to basically sell an emotion. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the, the human voice will still have an edge there. And eventually what I would like I'm, I'm really a few years away from retiring out of this business, is what I would like is two things. First of all, I want, I want this pilot to get picked up this year. <laughs> and so I can just do this, you know, do this show for like four seasons and retire. And the other thing is I would like to eventually find an AI voice platform where I can basically set my voice up to be used as an AI voice. Well, see, there's, uh, the, there's, there's the potential problem. Somebody's stealing your voice and beating you to it. Well, that's it's true. But, I mean, you know, getting the authorized version that's really cut, you know, where, where basically the foundational part of, of what, what they derive my voice from mm-hmm. is, is not taken piecemeal from this recording and that recording that's picked up over the Internet. I mean, you know, really just basically the best quality uh, recording of my voice you know, done here or done in a facility. And then give that, like, have it that be an asset that can be passed down to, you know, my family. You'll, you'll start to hear the AI voices during commercials and probably, like, on Spotify. I think that it's coming for me, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep running as long as I can. Yeah, please. Until it catches up. I, yeah. uh, I, I could generally tell if it's an AI voice and there's a, a radio service currently available uh they have a demo online unfortunately i can't think of the name of who they are now 11 something or another brother they uh they have a complete package weather sports news and i was barely able to tell that it was ai and indeed the very average listener wouldn't know mark and that's fucking scary it is scary but you know that's different because if i'm giving you the weather I don't have to give it to you with the emotion that makes you feel right. like what the weather is going to be like for you. And so, you know, you can, I think that that kind of thing, like objective reporting, you know, like how also like sometimes you'll see a video, like real estate, realtors will put a video online of a tour of a house. And sometimes they use a really, like the really bad, like, you know, first generation computer generated voice 
So, the, and I think that you'll start to see like that being it being used more there. Really, kind of stuff where again, where emotion isn't a big component of it. I think that because it's going to take a little bit longer to get there than just next week or next month or next year. So I'm I'm not worried in the short run, but uh, you know. I think in 10 years, I'll, I'll absolutely be sitting somewhere on a beach, hopefully collecting royalty checks for my AI. <laughs> now, before we really get to the YouTube stuff there, when I watch your videos, I see somebody that's obviously a mic slut because I'm a mic slut too. Yeah. Uh, I have way too many microphones and I always end up using the same two or three. But you know, watching your videos, I'm thinking now, what the fuck made you decide, hey, I'm going to do a mic channel, particularly because there are, there, there are numerous YouTubers that apparently are making a living doing that, marking on it. What made you decide? Uh, this is something I want to do and I'm glad you're doing it because you've been exposing me to, uh, to uh, audio equipment and of course microphones and software that I was wholly unfamiliar with until I started watching your videos. Oh, cool. All right, so this is actually why I do this. This is a, this is a story I haven't really told this a whole lot. Long, again, long story short. So <laughs> I really, uh, I, I got into doing it, um, I guess you would say seriously, like, like really seriously creating content. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago. I don't even remember. Um, and what it, what it was happening at the time was I was having some health issues and I, I, was, I was starting to lose my voice. I was starting to lose my hearing. Um, I had an infection I didn't even know about. And what had happened was at the point at which I started it, I had had this infection from a, I had had a root canal done several years ago. And most teeth, they, in, when you have a root canal, there are three roots in your teeth. Well, I, I, had, I had a fourth root in, my, in this tooth. So this, this fourth hidden root was infected, and it took years. And over the course of these years, this infection was growing and growing and growing. And the summer before I started doing these videos, I woke up one morning, and I wake up on a Sunday morning, and my ears are screaming with tinnitus. I mean, I have, I have tinnitus from working in audio, from oh. playing guitar in bands when I was a kid. I've had tinnitus for 20 plus years now. It's a constant part of my life. Exactly. And my tinnitus was, you know, I dealt with my tinnitus, but it blew up one morning. It woke me up like totally out of a dead sleep and it's just screaming. And so I go to the doctor, I go to the ear doctor, go everybody. Nobody knows what it is. And I'm starting to feel weaker. I, can, I notice that I'm feeling weaker than I did months or a year earlier and i swear i thought i was fucking dying hmm. i thought this is this is the beginning of the slide <laughs> and you know it's like i don't i don't know what's going on nobody knows what's going on so i got scared and i was like you know what i i had this thought that you know i i never met my grandfather and my grandfather was apparently a really cool guy like he owned a, like a clothing factory and shit and and all that like back in the 20s and stuff and I never met my grandfather. And I was like, God, how fucking amazing would it have been if, if, I, if I could have pulled up on YouTube, if he had had the ability to make a couple of videos. Like, oh, look, here's my clothing factory. Here's how we make socks. And here's how we make scarves <laughs> and shit. Right? I was like, it would have been amazing just to see one video of my grandfather. What if I am dying? What if I'm dying? And why don't I just leave something behind that is just expresses what I do? 
um, shows off a little bit of my personality and just gives, if, if there is, uh, uh, you know, someone, a descendant, a hundred years from now or whenever, you know, pull, pulls this up and then they have at least a, a, a window into who I was. And that's actually why I started doing it. And then, lo and behold, um, I started to realize that the feedback I was getting from the audience was incredibly valuable. And all of a sudden, like the things I wasn't sure about that I was hearing, I was like, wait a second. Okay, I understand the change I'm, I'm, I'm going through right now. And then the fucking greatest thing happened. Uh, so this tooth finally explodes. It erupts. And I had no idea that anything was going on. And so March, this tooth explodes. And I go and I have to get a CAT scan and they find this fourth root. And they're like, we have to fucking take the tooth out. There's nothing we can do. We can't, we can't, <laughs> we can't root canal it again. It just has to come out because the infection's underneath it. So I'm like, fuck. They take the tooth out. And I swear to God, in 48 hours time, my tinnitus is 90% gone. Wow. I better go see my dentist. <laughs> right? And I mean, it's crazy because I'm like, what? Because it had gotten loud. It had gotten so present. It was so obvious when it, 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 it was gone. I don't think that all of the tinnitus that I was suffering from was caused by this infection pressing on a nerve, mm -hmm. but a lot of it was. After that, in my hearing got better. My health started to get better. Like I started to really put the pedal to the metal on the channel and start to really get into it. And this is the best fucking thing ever. So when I started to do it, I, I, would, I would credit really about a year ago right now is when this whole thing cleared up. And I really started to make the videos with a lot more gusto and energy and a commitment to really doing it instead of just leaving behind this this thing this record of stuff and the, my ideas and and just like here i'm showing you this and i'm talking about it. i really wanted to get into it and the audience has been amazing and because of the feedback i really believe that because of the feedback i got from my audience and really understanding what it is and drilling down into my sound my 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 voiceover revenue grew last year in those six months, basically eight months since I had the, the procedure. And so, you know, for me, you know, you, you, you mentioned some of these guys in there, you know, some of these guys who have like 100,000, 200,000, a lot of these, some of these guys have humongous audiences. They've been doing it for years. Yeah. And some of these guys, you know, I, I don't know how many of them are, are you know, uh, working VO guys or, or take this, what they get from the audience and, and kind of put it back into their work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. This is why I don't ask for likes and subscribes and all that <laughs> bullshit that I fucking hate. Good. You know, when, when you watch a YouTube video, you know, it's always like, oh, you know, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and, and like it and blah, blah, blah. And all. it's just, I hate that begging for shit. All right, come like, on. You got to ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> right. You know, just uh, what I ask for a comment. That's the only thing I ask for. You almost so. have to do that, though, because in the YouTube algorithm, the more likes and subscriptions you get, the more likely you are to pick up additional viewers. Yeah, but again, the thing is, it's like, I'm, I'm not in this to, to, to get a giant audience. Capiche. You know, I'm, I'm doing this because the feedback I get is amazing. The people like, you know, like you, like people who really understand microphones are really passionate about them. There's a great, there are great conversations that we have about this stuff. And then when you get people who are like, who don't get it, you know, it's like, uh, I, look, I appreciate, I appreciate that people come and they listen and they watch and all that. 
And my fear is that the larger the audience, the more I'm dealing with people who don't truly understand what it is that I do because it's kind of a niche thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily like trying to review every single microphone out there. No, it's already you know, been I'm done, looking, yeah. Yeah, you know, and the, the, the Bandrew guy and the Mike Delgadio guy, I mean, there are guys out there who are primarily just doing talking about, like, microphones for microphone's sake. You know, I'm, I'm really more about, like, what, what are the best tools to achieve success? Well, I, I must ask, because... I uh, normally when I do the show, I've always used an RE20. I always fall back on the RE20. Yeah. I've, o- I've only got yeah. two really expensive mics: the uh, you know the MHK, what is it, the 414, and this year Neumann. And on a recent show, I started switching back and forth before between the RE20 and the BC104. And one of my listeners said, "BC104 wins hands down," and I've been using it ever since. What about the microphone drew you in to the point now where, for example, you're using it right now? Okay, so um, one of the most popular microphones out there for voiceover, really for anything is the Neumann TLM-103, mm-hmm, right? right? It's like the TLM-103 is like this microphone that a lot of people have anointed as this <laughs> magical microphone. And, you know, it's, it's, of course it is made by Neumann. The people who make the venerated U87, the most, probably the most used microphone on recordings around the world in yep. the history of history. And, you know, I mean, the, the U87 has such a recognizable sound, that rich mid-range. And, um, you know, so people, people gravitate to the TLM-103 as a junior U87, but it's really not. And the reason that, and so I, early on in my career, my first nice microphone was the TLM-103. And um, I found it to be problematic because the TLM-103, even though it, it, it's a beautiful, clear-sounding microphone, was not designed for close-up voice work. It was not designed to be used four inches from your mouth. Mm. It was designed to be used to spot microphone, to spot record orchestras from a distance, which is why it has a pronounced low-end bump and a pronounced high-end emphasis in order to make up for the distance from your, from your source. You put it five feet off a cello. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not meant to be used five inches away from the mouth. So, you know, when I... When I read about the BCM-104, I realized two things. First of all, this is the same circuit as the 103, but they've made a couple of major changes. First of all, they use a different capsule, right? It's a flatter, more neutral capsule. And so you get a more neutral, you don't get this high-end emphasis, this bright, like shrill, you know, cut through your head with an ice pick, (laughs) GLM-103 high-end. And you don't get this overly pronounced, too much low end. You get this beautiful natural sound, right? But it's very quiet like the TLM-103. And the 104 was purpose-built and designed for this particular usage, for voiceover, for broadcast. That's why I don't understand why more broadcasters don't use it. I'll tell you why. Please. Because it all has to do with this kind of, this, this cliche, Americanized, FM radio sound where everyone, every FM radio DJ has to sound like they, have, they carry their fucking ball sack around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> so, you know, the RE20 is great for that. The RE20 has such a great low-end presence. It gives you that, that authoritative, uh, basically, that tone, like right away. 
the 104 sounds clearer. It sounds more neutral. There's a really great emphasis right across the midrange, like really across the most, um, the most recognizable frequencies of your voice is where the 104 shines. A microphone like the TLM-103 will pick up sound down to 10 hertz. Yeah, very useless. And, yeah, it's t- totally useless. You know, so, you know, most of the time you're filtering out like through your preamp or through your rig, you know, a lot of times when you're recording, especially in voiceover, you- you've got a filter price set at 80. But if you've got stuff that the microphone is picking up at a lower frequency, you know, you, that's, that's stuff that your preamp has to deal with. But mm-hmm. if it's not being picked up at the, the first stop in the chain, you know, at the microphone, if it's not picking up like the rumble when a truck goes by or, you know, when the furnace kicks on or whatever, you know, you basically, you're already ahead of the game. And it makes the low end more present. Because you're hearing the the best part of it. That's why the low, yeah. That's why the low end on the 104 really, really sounds great. Is because it's really notching it out. How how would you in in 2,000 words or less then uh, describe <laughs> what you're doing on the YouTube channel? Which once again is called uh, the Microphone Assassin. You all will go to YouTube and look up the Microphone Assassin. Uh, but how would you explain what you do there? So what I, what I try to do is I really try to highlight um, the equipment that I'm using, that I'm interested in. Anything that, you, that will give you an extra 5% is like gold. VoiceOver, voiceover is one of the most competitive businesses ever, out there. It's oh, a yeah. knife fight in a phone booth. <laughs> you know, you are, you often, you are one of a dozen, maybe even a hundred people who are, who are auditioning for something that only one person gets hired. And it's a temporary job. So you have to continue doing this over and over and over and over again. And I've noticed that certain microphones, certain sounds, and and this is part of the the whole process of, of understanding what the audience is telling me and understanding what my ears are telling me is that this whole process has refined my auditioning uh, technique. And I'm, I've been, you know, one, one of the reasons why I made more money doing it is because I'm hitting more auditions. And I'm hitting more auditions because I'm, be, I'm better at picking what my sound is going to be like for an audition. And, you know, I'll, I'll feature different microphones because different microphones to me are like different paintbrushes or different colors on a painter's palette. You know, there are different sounds that work better for different uh, situations. Sometimes you want a really punchy sound for a, a commercial. Sometimes you want a more gentle and uh, caring sound for, you know, a healthcare spot. Sometimes you want it to just sound really friendly when you're explaining to somebody how this tax software works. It's not just about plugging your microphone in and getting a great sound. It's often about getting the right sound. And so, getting the right sound is, is a process that involves a microphone, a preamp, and your processing. And, and there's a lot of stops in between uh, where, your, where your mouth begins and where the client's ear uh, ends. Well, see, that was something else I was curious about is, uh, do you do any post-processing or do you just send out the raw audio and leave it to the client to decide what they want? I used to send out raw audio. And then um, over the years, in the way that everything has kind of gotten lazy <laughs> in the last 15 years is that fucking people don't do post-production on commercials anymore. Like post is dead. Why? Unless you're working on a re- really high budget because, you know, they don't hire an audio mixer. What happens is y- your track goes to someone, basically goes to the guy who's doing the video editing. And they drop your track into a timeline 
in the video editing software. And then they raise and lower the levels until they get something where they're like, okay, well, render this, that's fine. And so I would hear my, my voiceovers on spots, and I'd be like, God, that sounds awful. They didn't do anything. They didn't, they didn't put any compression on there. They didn't, eat, you know, like all the things you would expect that they would do. Exactly. I'm basically hearing my raw track back. So I've, over the years, I've kind of honed a system where I record uh, directly through my rig with a little bit of processing on it. Um, and the processing is, is, and the EQ and everything is, is chosen in a way so that it sounds uh, natural, but it cuts through a mix. And basically, I know that when they drop this in track into, uh, up against a music bed, it'll cut through it. Um, it'll sound great. And everybody will be happy. It'll be a better product because I basically did the post work. I pre-posted. You, you have to do it in a way where it doesn't sound too processed, but mm-hmm. you have to process these days. If you, if you, unless you're working on something really huge where you know somebody is going to take it into a, a, a mixed room, into a post facility, it's just going to, be a get, it's going to get mixed on somebody's laptop or on somebody's video editing rig. Not to, so, so that I won't keep you on the phone for another three hours because Mike Slutz <laughs> could talk forever. Uh, one of the things I learned from one of your more recent videos was about this software called Hush. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, yeah. here I am working out of a studio on the Isle of Staten where, you know, there's all kinds of noise. You know, cars right. are rumbling by, babies crying, you know, uh, shots going off, victims screaming. <laughs> you know, and I read about Hush, and I'm thinking, this is great, but then you mentioned that they don't have a version for Windows yet, and my Mackie board feeds into a Windows computer. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Hush is, um, Hush is just, uh, it's about a month old. That's I just learned about it. Yeah, a week ago. It, I mean, so um, it's it's right now it's Mac only. But I know that the, the the developer of Hush, who actually I found out after I posted this video, watches my channel. I I traded emails with him. He's working on a plugin version of it. It's a piece of software that runs on my desktop, and I drag and drop files into it, and it's amazing. It not only takes out the noise like like a helicopter flying over in cars and then the, you know, again, like the, the AC kicking on just like environmental noise and stuff like that. Um, but it'll also take out, suck out some of the reverb of the room. So it'll deverb the room and make it seem like you're in a smaller, tighter, uh, more controlled, like studio type environment. So I guess you so can use great. it. You can, uh, for example, would I be able to use it real time while broadcasting live? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely it's like a post uh right it's basically right now it's a post uh production thing. But okay. I mean there are plugins that allow you to to go live. Okay. I'm I'm going to wrap up like I say or else you'll be here until midnight your time. Uh <laughs> mention mention in your very own words uh your YouTube site and also mention your Discord server, Mark. Oh, okay. So so uh, the channel is The Microphone Assassin. You can find it if you search on YouTube. And what I do is, you know, I really try to focus on the things that make your sound better. You know, if you're working in spoken word, if you're working in content creation or in voiceover, you know, we all want the same thing. We all want great sounding recordings. So it's all about finding ways to create great sounding recordings. And I'm always looking for different software, different microphones. How, how do I achieve the best possible work product? So it's all about that. And um, one thing that's happened, uh, one of the people who, who, 
who subscribes to the channel, one of the regular viewers, su suggested a Discord server. And, you know, I'm an older guy. I'm not a Discord guy. And so I was like, oh, okay, sure. And it turned out to be an amazing thing because using Discord, um, Discord is now the microphone assassin after party. So people right. will come to watch the videos, and there are conversations now going on in the Discord server, like pretty much 24-7. So there's a lot of, a lot of that, that talk going on, a community talk that happens at the Microphone Assassin Discord server. Yes. Um, you know, and so you can find the link to that uh, on uh, one of the show pages uh, for, for the Microphone Assassin channel, um, or search Discord. But it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I love the fact that it's, it's self-sufficient. It's not centered around me, which is what I love. It's centered around this community, um, which I call Assassin Nation. So the assassin nation gathers <laughs> at the after party, and they hang out, and they talk, and, you know, it's very cool. Oh, so great. Now I'll be up until 3 o'clock in the morning talking with Mike Freaks. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's full of Mike Freaks. So it's Mike Freak Central. Well, my people. Well, yeah, Mark, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Sometimes I, I can't put things into words easily, but uh, you've been so generous with your time. Uh Thank you, thank you, and thank uh, you, and and thank dude, you for you're the so welcome. thank you for the work uh, you you did for me. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that and how much use it's getting. Oh, it's fantastic! It makes me happy to know that I'm at a loss. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I again appreciate your time, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to, although in less than high fidelity, Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov, <laughs> and uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And hopefully, at some point in the future, uh, we'll do it again, brother. That would be awesome, man. Take All care. All right. Take thank care, you. Everybody. This is America's Best Radio, Pally. Radio New York International with your extravaganza. And with my thanks again to Mark and to each and every one of you that listened to the show. And of course, our friends over at WBCQ and Brad and Larry. That wraps it for this week. Next week in my slot. Here on WBCQ, better programming. That's <laughs> better area 51 programming. And of course, at johnlightning.com, Dave the Boogeyman. So there will be quality. Well, there's always quality radio every Sunday night here on WBCQ. And of course, at johnlightning.com. And if that's not good enough, and it shouldn't be because you're demanding even more good information and more good talk. Every Sunday night, excuse me, every Saturday night, he says slopping himself, been a long night. <laughs> it's LF Midwood, available here at johnlightning.com. That's it for me. I'm tired. I'm going away. It's been a pleasure. Had a good time. Thought it was a great show. Well, of course, I thought it was a great show. I did it. Until we reconvene in two weeks, you all take care of yourselves. And remember, nothing's more important than the truth. No, than listening to John P. Lightning. Yeah, I finally got that right. You've been listening to the Extravaganza. Stay tasteless and the fancy. Gotta get going, love you, bye for now. Goodbye. I gotta get out of here, I really do. I really gotta get out of here. This concludes our broadcast day. Good day, sir. Stop it. The show's <laughs> over. Goodbye, good luck, and good riddance. The show is over. I gotta go. Show.
show is over, I gotta go. Try it by yourself once. If you just pay him, the show is over, I gotta go. Sherry. The show is over, we gotta go. The show is over, we gotta go. Now, show is over, we gotta go. Show is over, we gotta go. Bye, y'all. Nighttime has come. The stars twinkle in the sky and the glow of the moon illuminates the forest. It's time for our little campers to crawl into their sleeping bags and dream of new adventures. Good night, little campers. But wait, what's that sound? Fire!